The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from the Fez and Bowtie Emporium, Savile Row, it's Doctor Who, Podshock. Simple instruction. Don't follow me under any circumstances. Will you follow him? Of course. Because this is what I do every time, every day, every second. This. Hold tight. Because it will change your life. There's one thing you never put in a trap if you're smart, if you value your continued existence. If you have any plans about seeing tomorrow, there's one thing you never, ever put in a trap. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 296, sir. Hello, this is Louis Trapani, and welcome back to Doctor Who Podshock. And joining me on this wonderful, great show is two wonderful, great people. First of which is... Who is Dave A.C.? The blogger. Podcast host, Doctor Who fan, wine aficionado, and gadget guru. The man with the plan, the gentleman podcaster. Catch him on Doctor Who Podchalk, the CIA podcast, and his very own V blog at www.daveac.lip.tv He's suave. He's debonair. He's British. He is Dave. Dave A.C. clip may be dated but never dull and the same could be said <laughs> about me but this is about dave hey dave welcome back to the show good evening <laughs> <laughs> i'm caught in a trap <laughs> <laughs> set the spider to the fly no if i was caught in a lift i couldn't be caught in it uh, with two better people Mr. Louis Trapani and someone else he's going to introduce. 
Yes, and next um, with joining us is uh, none other than... Penfold. <laughs> oh dear! Thank you very much for that wonderful intro. <laughs> I do appreciate that. And plus, I love Danger Mounts. I, I mean, well, you miss it. <laughs> we, we aim to you please. Well, yeah. yeah. So n- now that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. now, now now we have so much to live up to with uh with these great intros. <laughs> well, Hi. We're here to entertain you. Yes. <laughs> well, for uh, regular listeners of Dr. Upachuk, you'll know that we've been reviewing... Well, what we did was uh, we just finished up reviewing the last uh, series of episodes starring Matt Smith. And, you know, through his time, we've been reviewing each new episode. So, uh, unfortunately, now it's come to the end of the Matt Smith era. And um, that's what we're going to be tackling in this episode. And so uh, we're going to do that in a short while. But first, we have some some news to cover. And as always, you know, we start off the news segment with a little of this. Sorry, I really have to stop chewing my nails. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, there's... um, I mean, there's not a lot. I mean, there's always Doctor Who news, you know, here and there. And, and we always say, oh, well, there's not a lot of news. And then we wind up talking a half hour about news. So, but, um, so they're still shooting the new series starring uh, Peter Capaldi as the 12th Doctor. And, um, you know, to that end, there's, they, they've announced the director of the first two episodes, which, which is uh, Ben Wheatley. I have to claim my ignorance. Um, maybe, um, maybe you two gentlemen can fill me in on on him and and supposedly who is um, Michael Smiley? Because when news broke that Ben Wheatley would be directing um, the first two episodes, uh, or at least the first episode, uh, there was this um, uh, I, I don't know uh, emphasis. This um, people that were asking for Michael Michael Smiley too. So supposedly these two have worked together. All right. I mean, Michael Smiley's a, a character actor in the UK. He's been in uh, usually. Um, I think the last time we, we saw him, Ian, was the um, the research person in um, Luther. Yeah, his computer the, guy. Computer guy in Luther. So, uh, we, and we, of course, are great fans of Luther. Luther that uh, uh, Edris Elba. 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 
That's right. Yeah. Is it me, Elba or me, Elba? Oh, dear. Ed- Edris Ilba. Just say uh, Peter Capaldi six times. Exactly. Uh, who's uh, just starred in Long Walk to Freedom, of course, but um, played Luther. And this chap played his, um, uh, the researcher that uh, you know, broke codes for him and so on. But he's been a character actor from a, for a long time here in the UK. So he's uh, mostly recognised for his role... Um, in um, with in space with Simon Pegg and Jessica Hines, uh, Ben Wheatley had um, this is one of his projects I guess along with um, Down Terrace King Kill Kill List and a Field in England. So, so I guess they worked together hand in hand over um, you know over a span of time, and so now naturally people right. are looking for for um, for Michael Smiley to also join in. As well, yeah. I mean, uh, apart from space, as you mentioned, is uh, in Bleak House, two thousand and five. Uh, Luther, of course, uh, Good Cop, which had uh, the uh, the young detective from Luther in his own uh, series, very vicious series that was. Uh, he was also um, in um, Utopia and, and one or two others. And, of course, in the films, Shaun of the Dead is probably the film that most people uh, will know him from being in. So now the rumour is that he's going to be playing a character named Colonel Blue. Now, this is rumour, so this could not may or may not be true in, in Doctor Who. So, um, you know, under director Ben, ben Wheatley. Zachary. Mm. All right, well... Well, hopefully it's, hopefully it's true, because, I mean, yeah, I like Michael Smiley. Mainly like the accents. <laughs> Yes, roll on, roll on Peter Capaldi standing next to Michael Smiley. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ben Wheatley's scheduled to direct two episodes of Doctor Who in 2014. Yeah, they're uh, the first two, to my understanding. Yeah. So, uh, but don't, though they have different writers, it's the same director now. Now, I had heard, and I don't know if I, I don't know if this is true or not, that there the next series is going to be blocked off. And um, so there's going to be like two episodes directed by the same director each. So, I, I mean, I don't know. There's some speculation that maybe one will continue, might be a, a continuation of the other. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see hmm. as, as, um, as things go on. Well, I'm very worried about spoilers already starting. I mean, I've already heard one spoiler, which I won't repeat here, but it's to do with who the Doctor will be up against in his first story. So, I mean, if, you, if you're very sensitive listeners yeah, to, I, to being spoiled, you, you're going to have to be very careful because we've got an awful long wait. I mean, that was one of, in some ways, the advantages of the classic Who, you know, where they were, they were sort of finishing some of the episodes just two or three days or even hours before they were about to be aired. No chance of spoilers then. Hmm. Yeah, that's something that, that's a hap- haphazard on the internet right now is all these um, possible spoilers. I mean, there's rumors going on, and we're not going to, you know, spill the, the beans on... Well, we don't know if they're true or not, so they're, they're just rumors and whatnot. So, But we'd rather not, in case they are spoilery, and they do come. They are true. Then we just will hold back on them. I, I, I heard something else as well concerning. Um, I don't. I don't even know if that's by me even saying it. any more of that might be a spoiler. So I better not. So, I, uh, indeed, a, a casting rumor. I'll just say that if I say anything more, it will be spoilery. 
Somebody's going to be in something. Yes. <laughs> That's all I can That's say. All we can tell you. That's all can, <laughs> the pain of the... Yes. The other thing we can say is it won't be a fez and bow tie emporium. There you go. <laughs> we don't know that yet. In several rows. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can assure you, uh, at least I'll speak for myself, that it's not me. <laughs> Maybe Dave will show up in an episode. You know, they don't have far to, get to fetch him and... Um, you know. They have to keep escorting him off the set, though. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Cooper, I'm afraid we're going to have to ask you to leave again. <laughs> well, I'm sure he can um, smooth his way in with a bottle of, of wine or two. Ooh, he puts that tuxedo on, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Next in news. Well, next in news is, uh, well, by the time this episode goes out, it will probably uh, be over. But on Saturday the 22nd, which is this Saturday at the time, at, at the time that we're recording this, is that, uh, that Prince Charles Cinema in London is putting together a marathon screening of the two lost episodes. Well, they're no longer, they were once lost ep- um, stories, but now they're found. So of uh, Enemy of the World, the two Patrick, two Patrick Troughton stories, Enemy of the World and Web of Fear. So it will be at the Prince Charles Cinema, um, as I said, Saturday, the, the 22nd of February. And uh, the DVDs have already been um, been released, on well, or actually will be released on the 24th of February. But, um, but I believe I've seen people on um, social media with... I think it's people are getting it early because I've I've seen people um, shooting you know sh- um, shooting pictures of the DVD cover in their hands. So I'm assuming people it's it's arriving in people's hands earlier than the 24th. Mm. So also at the screening will be um, Deborah Watling, who played Victoria, Fraser Hines, uh, Jamie McCrimmon, and the son of um, Patrick Troughton, um, To my understanding, will be there too. Uh, uh, um, if that's correct, that should be David Troughton or, or oh no, yeah, Michael My, Michael Troughton. His okay, I stand or sit corrected. It's Michael Troughton. Oh right, 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 right. Indeed, yeah. One wonders whether there will be any further announcement of any other missing episodes. You know, there's, there's still rumors out there. They still persist. They still persist. And, um, you know, uh, if there's more out there, then bring them on. But you know. I'm one of those people who, you know, when they when they announce it, they'll announce it. You know, yeah, the same here. They're not going to keep them locked up. You know, it's it's one of those things. If they find them, they find them, and they'll and we'll get them in due time. In the amount of time it takes them to do whatever they need to do to secure them and remaster and get them out. So you know that they're making money off these two that were found. So I'm sure it will be in their best interest to, you know, once they once they are found, to clean them up and get them out there and, um, you know. So, especially happens, with uh, the the whole experiment on iTunes, yes, which was an amazing success. I mean, those those episodes went to the top of the charts on iTunes, yeah, right away because people were just like, oh! I know it was amazing. I think even to see. people who were just minor Doctor Who fans were just like, well, well I have to get this now because it's been missing. You know, so those things you just feel like you've got to jump on the bandwagon and get. Well, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was great seeing new old Doctor Who again. You know, it's mm-hmm. been a while for for long time fans. You know, I you know brings you back to the. 
I, you know, those that lived in the States, you know, we were denied the, the black and white episodes for so long. So when we finally got to see them, it was such a delight seeing, you know, even though it was only, you know, very few episodes that were available at that time, it was still such a delight seeing, you know, new, you know, unseen episodes, even though they were old, but they were new and fresh to us. So it was, it was magical at that time. So if you are, or if I should, let me rephrase that, if you did attend the screening in London on the 22nd and you would like to, um, you know, tell us how that went, please do so by, um, you know, uh, the usual channels here on Dr. Who Podshock. You can send feedback to us and um, go to our website, podshock.net, for, and click on the feedback tab on the top there to learn the various different ways to send feedback or just keep on listening. I'll, I'll explain it later in our episode. In this episode. Hmm. All righty. Right. Well, who's got the next one? <laughs> someone is, does someone want to grab it? Well, I, I know. Uh, well, I, I, okay. Go ahead, Dave. I, I, I know Ian's not going to grab it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yes, uh, of course, there was all, there was all this uh, news uh, about Karen Gillan a while ago that uh, she'd uh, shaved her head hair off for a part. In actual fact, one of the, the, the funniest scenes that I think, I think it was Ian that was quoted about it, that uh, it was rather amusing to watch the scene where both the Doctor and Karen uh, had wigs on. But there you go. The first look at uh, Doctor Who star Karen Gillan in Guardians of the Galaxy. The red-haired Scott goes bald and blue to play Nebula in a new film from the Avengers Assemble studio. Very, very distinctive uh, look here. There's a, uh, a few photographs. I'm sure you can find them around the internet. Uh, and there is, in actual fact, uh, a teaser trailer that you can uh, find again. The far yeah, the reaches of space. Go on. Yeah. The uh, official trailer, first official trailer, was released uh, last night on um, on The Tonight Show with its new host, um, Jimmy Fallon, is it? Yeah. I Fallon, so. yeah. 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 They're doing everything they can to kind of launch that show off into, into you know. But uh, so, yeah, they they, they had that uh, premiere last night on his show. And you'll see there's a there's, – it's just a brief little look at her um, in a pose. Basically, she's just uh, got knives or something, you know, but it looks at things. The entire uh, trailer is, is brilliant. Um, I'm really looking forward to this movie now. Even my son wants to go see it, even though Karen Gillan's in it. <laughs> Well, Sorry, I, I, I didn't see the, the I didn't see the I didn't see the Tonight Show, but I, so I don't I can't say firsthand. But I'm just in case we, we may be mistaken, because according to this an article that I'm looking at the right now, it says it was on Jimmy Kimmel Live, so um, which is I, I think a competing show. Uh, it's not the late night show that follows it. It's I think it's on a no. different channel. If I'm not mistaken, I, I it's hard to keep up with them all. Well, the late night show host has just uh, retired, hasn't he, for the second time? So um, yeah. <laughs> there was a new host taking over. The, yeah, the Tonight Show. There was, um, well, of course, Johnny Carson left back in '92, and then um, what's his face um, took it over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he only did it for 17 years. Uh, I mean, he was in tears at the end, saying, "No, it was the happiest 22 years of my life," and I'm still now trying to think of his name, but. He, he does drive nice cars. Yes, he has a whole... He has like 20 cars, if not more. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
you're right. Actually, it was Jimmy Kimmel Live. I'm looking at the the, the YouTube. Um, Jay Leno. Uh, Jay Leno hosted. was the guy that that took over from. Right. <laughs> was the yeah, guy he'll be successful one? He'll be successful one day. People will know his name. Yes. Who? Jay Leno. <laughs> I, I, well, the mind is a terrible thing, you know. So. All right. Well. Uh, no, I saw this photo of her, of, uh, you know, uh, her in blue with this, like, um, Seven of Nine thing on her face, you know, the metal. Actually, it remind, we were just reviewing Nightmare and Silver, so I thought, oh, well, look at this. It's just like, you know, the thing that, that um, Matt Smith had on his face, you know. But actually, when I saw the photo, I, didn't, I just saw a photo of it. I didn't see, I didn't read the credits or, or the story that went with it. So actually, I had no knowledge it was her, and I didn't recognize her either. So I didn't know it was her. I just, I, I, I thought it was kind of coincidental that, that this image popped up somewhere in my social media stream. And, um, you know, we had just been reviewing Nightmare on Silver, which um, had, um, you know, Matt Smith almost wearing the same thing, except for minus the blue paint. <laughs> and the bold. Just reading one of the comments from from the uh, um, the trailer. It's you know they're, they're they're basically doing a conversation between DC and Marvel. DC, we don't feel the audience is ready for a Wonder Woman movie. Marvel, we have a raccoon with a machine gun riding a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing Rocket Raccoon. I mean, because you know you can't go wrong with a rocket with big guns. <laughs> it seems it's a remi- I don't know I'm not familiar with it but it reminds me of Ratchet and Clank um, the, the imagery there oh I love Ratchet and Clank yeah same here well in related news Karen Gillan released the, the first photo that was taken of Matt Smith and Karen Gillan uh, that was never released before so this unseen photo is now uh, peppering the internet and uh, you could see you could you could see Matt Smith sporting a uh his hair is pretty much all over the place it's 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 not um um uh, what was it uh in a quilf quiff as they say whatever it's it's the terminology is so it's um and um and she's a little i don't know she looks a little disheveled there but i think that was the look she was sporting at the beginning of her run there so it's interesting to see how these two evolved over time mm. They look like actually waxworks models of themselves there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Matt Smith's hair looks a little unkempt, and even hers does. But um, it just shows you that, um, I mean, they do do these, uh, what do they call these trial test test shots of the mm-hmm. the, the clothes. But uh, his his outfit is pretty well formed there. Yeah. It's just the uh, the hair, the styling, I think. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's he's looking young there. This is when, you know, he probably was just, you know, you know, both him and her were cast and so she he's probably like 26 there and I don't know how how old she was, but mm. Oh, we're still talking about the Karen Gillan, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll move along, move along. Uh, obviously, this is an audio podcast, and for the, for those that are still accessing the enhanced podcast or can um, gather their the um, enhancements on it, maybe we'll include it on the enhanced podcast, the photo of it. So um, I know 
um, Apple has been making it difficult now with their new apps, uh, you know, not showing not not. It's pretty ironic being that they developed, you know, they were the forerunners of this enhanced podcast format. And now that they seem to be uh, turning their back on it. Uh, but we still uh, produce it for the better audio quality sound. And, um, and you know, if you do access the links or chapter stops, that's uh, that's great. All right, but now, uh, if that's the last news item, I just want to make a small apology, if I may. Sure, sure. You and, and you, you yeah, uh, and before you even go, you know, we, you're forgiven. But go ahead. Thank <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, you. I, I did put a, a message. Uh, those people who find uh, the last episode of Podshock episode. Uh, 295, uh, when one of the sad pieces of news was uh, about one of the actors that had died, and the actor that died was uh, Roger Lloyd Pack, and I incorrectly gave his first name. So since the very, you know, it was a, a, a very sad moment for his family and for, for fans, so uh, really, I was almost going to say unforgivable, but Lewis has forgiven me already uh, <laughs> for me to get his first name wrong. So apologies for that. I did but um, wherever it was tweeted about, and those people who who, who found the podcast are, are on from the Gallifrey Embassy um, will have seen that I'd put that little attachment to it in text. But those people who've got the the episode directly from an iTunes feed uh, will not be aware of it. So apologies to uh, the family of Roger Lloyd Pack in incorrectly getting his first name. Yeah, I, I think. Um Possibly, a little tortured was creeping into your mind with uh, Gareth David Lloyd, who because um, I, I think you might have, I think you said Gareth in the actual recording. So yes, I did say we we had been talking about that previously. Yeah, and uh, I also want to give a shout out and um, and kudos to Steve for and thanking him for his patience. Steve was. Um, was the winner of the Mythological Dimensions of Neil Gaiman, which we spoke about in our last episode as well. And um, he won this book because we randomly uh, selected one of the Dr. Hupachak supporting subscribers at the time um, to win the book. And this was just literally just days before Super Superstorm Sandy hit. So I had never got the chance to ship out his book and you know, after the storm hit. And then I had to... Luckily, the book was spared. So it was uh, fine and great shape, and I had put it in storage, and it took a year before we got Dr. Hupachuk up and going again after reconstruction and rebuilding and moving back in and setting things back up again, yada, yada, yada. And so that book is on its way, and I had emailed Steve, the winner, and he's very understanding, and he's just happy and delighted to have Dr. Hupachuk back. And um, and the book would be is just you know something that he's looking forward to. So if since we did mention the book in our last episode and in the last episode we're reviewing uh, Nightmare and Silver, which was written by Neil Gaiman, and for those that might be interested in the book, it's available via um, Amazon right now, which um, is available on an ebook. I'm not sure if the paper book is still a paperback is still available, but you can get the ebook via Amazon if you're interested in it. Yeah, I mean, there was a slight complication for a short while where it may not have been available because uh, the Kitsune books um, that it was published yeah, under the um, had to, uh, unfortunately, sadly died. And so I think it's now under the Myth Inc. books label. But if you go to Facebook, the probably the easiest 
place to find out is uh, if you go to if you're on Facebook, just put in the mythological dimensions of Neil Gaiman. They've got a, a fan base there, and there's lots of information there. Of course, it was edited by Anthony Burge, Jessica Burke, and Christine Larson. Very good. Yes, and also just to remind those that you know we did mention it in our last episode that they do have a call out for writers right now for their next book which is um, Ambassadors of Geekdom and uh, you can find out information about that on our site as well as theirs um, the um, was it the the comfy armchair or uh, the, the, their website yeah it, uh, com- it's, it's comfy chair I think yeah um, I haven't got that page well, up at the moment but if, I'm sure you can find information yeah Uh, and they, they do have a Facebook page for the Neil Di- for the Neil Gaiman book, <laughs> not Neil Diamond. Yep. Neil, Neil Gaiman book, which is the uh, um, if you if, if you go to, if you're on Facebook, if you type in mythological dimensions of Neil Ga- Neil Ga- Gaiman, you, I'm sure you'll find it. Yeah, that's what I just said prior. <laughs> the Facebook page is uh, Comfy Chair Geek Companion Blog to Myth Inc Books. There we go. And their their blog uh, spot page is uh, comfychairzine dot blogspot dot com. Okay, and the Cook Collective interviewed them uh, on June in June two thousand and twelve. Um, Bloody name just, dropper! Uh, just next episode uh, one hundred and fifty two. Very good interview, I believe. It was conducted very scrupulously by uh, a moderator on that uh, particular interview. But he's getting it as I wasn't there. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> well, uh, and as I said, he's the, the podcasters you're looking for. They, they, they've been on our show as well. We've interviewed them. Uh, in fact, we did a live show with them live in person. That is at, in New York City um, some years ago. At, I'm trying to remember the the venue now. It was um, a place in the village. I can't remember the name now. Fiddlesticks, I think. I think, I think it was that. All right. Well, we'll be back with more Dr. Upachak and our review of Matt Smith, the whole Matt Smith error, everything wrapped up in a big ball of Matt Smith goodness, if you will. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. This is Matt Smith, and you're listening to Dr. Who Podshock. Well, we reviewed all the Matt Smith televised episodes of Doctor Who, and maybe you feel you haven't had enough of Matt Smith's Doctor. So, what are you going to do? <laughs> well, we have, what, uh, six more months before Peter Copoldi comes on as the 12th Doctor? What if you want more Matt Smith? Well, there's always audio adventures. Yes, you can get an audiobook of a Matt Smith story. And you can also get one with him narrating, telling the story. So uh, that's going to be our selection for this week's Audible selection. And as you know, Audible, or you may, maybe you don't know, if you're a regular listener, you would know that Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from in all different genres. That includes science fiction, which has like 161 titles of Doctor Who alone, but they have a lot more. They have comedy, they have romance, business, thrillers, you name it, they have it. Audible titles, 
they they will play on your iPhone, your Kindle, your Android, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. Now, for you listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you can check out their service. Now, if you decide it's not for you, keep the audiobook. It's yours to keep, and you can cancel. To download your free audiobook today, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podshock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podshock for your free audiobook. And if you're driving and if you can't write down that URL, you can't go to it now, don't worry. You can always go to podshock.net and find the link to it there. Now, as I said, it's going to be a Matt Smith selection for this audiobook. It's Doctor Who, The Jade Pyramid. It's written by Martin Day, and it's um, narrated by the one and only Matt Smith. This was written specifically for audio by Martin Day. So let's hear a little bit of it right now. Siju Sada woke suddenly, as if from a nightmare. However, as he lay in the darkness, he realized that he could remember nothing of his dream, nor had any noise or other intrusion disturbed him. Nevertheless, something had roused him from sleep. Siju reached for a thick robe, pulled it around his shoulders and padded over to the window. His gaunt fingers parted the bamboo slats, and he watched the pale colors of dawn washing over the sloping roofs and ordered pathways of the village. And yet, at the back of his mind, and at the pit of his stomach, the resting place of his soul, he felt a pressure, a sense of dread. He knew all was not well. Something was coming. CG wanted to share his unease, but no one else was up. No one human, at any rate. For the gods never rested, and CG knew just the place where he might express his concerns. Moments later, Siju was ascending the mountainside, following the little track to the shrine. Over decades, the path had been worn down into the soil so that it was now surrounded by raised banks of grass. He wondered how many people had trod this route before him, what their reasons had been for following the twisted trail to the shrine, and what fate had eventually befallen them. The shrine, with its sloping roof and red doors and columns, emerged suddenly from the mist, edged by plum trees thick with scented pink and white blossom. The shrine seemed to glow in the gathering light. Siju stepped past a pair of ox statues and was making his way through the large Torii gates when he heard voices, strange voices, brought to his ears by the gentle, fragranced breeze. Never been to Japan before, a woman's voice, young, brimming with optimism and humour. And they say I don't know how to show people a good time. A man's voice, there was an even tone to his words, and he sounded at first as young as his companion. But the more Siju listened, the more he wondered if the gentle smoothness of his voice was that of a pebble dropped into the sea, and polished and rounded by centuries of time and tide. Tokyo would have been nice, though, continued the woman. You know, modern, a city with amenities... There was a pause in their footsteps. Was the man consulting a map? It's not called Tokyo yet, and it's miles away, and it's so not the capital. They started walking again, scattering stones and scree. Clearly, they weren't interested in stealth and subterfuge, and yet their accents, their very words, marked them out as outsiders. Siju had encountered traders and officials from the outlying provinces before, but none behaved like this. They weren't just outsiders. They were alien. Relatively speaking, medieval Japan is a paragon of sophistication, said the man. You'll be fine. Another pause. Distress signal's a bit weak, but the source... Again, this is a 
Eleventh Doctor story. Matt Smith obviously is narrating it. It's an Eleventh Doctor. Doc, it's Eleventh Doctor story with Amy Pond as the companion. It's the Jade Pyramid. This could be your selection. It doesn't have to be. You could pick anything that Audible has to offer. Again, to get your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podchalk. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podchalk for your free audiobook. Hold my hand, Doctor. Try to see what I see. We're so lucky we're still alive to see this beautiful world. Look at the sky. It's not dark and black and without character. The black is in fact deep blue. And over there, lighter blue. And blowing through the blueness and the blackness, the wind swirling through the air. And then shining, burning, bursting through the stars. And you see how they roar their light. Everywhere we look, the complex magic of nature blazes before our eyes. I've seen many things, my friend, but you're right. Nothing quite as wonderful as the things you see. And we're back. Dr. Upachak, we're reviewing the Matt Smith era. That's a nice little highlight from from his uh, first year, I believe, there, uh, Vincent and the Doctor. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we go any further, of course, <laughs> I know, we know this might be kind of silly, but just in case, there may be... Spoilers. Spoilers. Again. Mm-hmm. Spoilers. 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 All right. Well, there may be spoilers ahead. Spoilers. Spoilers. All right. So, yes, we'll be. We're not going to be reviewing. <laughs> we're not going to be reviewing each episode or particular episodes, but we may be um, talking about elements of episodes. So, if you have not seen uh, all of Matt Smith's uh, episodes, you may want to wait until you have until going further with this episode of Dr. Upachak, but um, it's it's going to be more of a, just a general view of his era, but you never know. Um, <laughs> well, I, I can assure you there will be. If you, if you haven't seen Matt Smith's stuff, there will be spoilers ahead. We'll start with um, his first year, which was his first year was uh, 2010. He started... 10. Yes. And I thought the first, I think he got off the ground pretty, uh, pretty well. It was pretty a fairly strong showing. He started off with the eleventh hour, where he meets Amelia, and then later on turns out to be Amy Pond. Uh, you know when she, he meets up with her again as an adult, and uh, what I, I think was a nice touch there, though, if it was me, I might have done it a little bit differently, having Amelia join him. On the, as a companion, as Amelia, as the young girl, for maybe two or three adventures, and then, you know, returning later, you know, and finding Amy, Amy Pond as an adult, and I, I thought might have, you know, of course, um, I, you know, they, logistically they might not have been able to done it because, um, you know, the, the actress that played Amelia was the cousin of Amy Pond. I don't think she's a trained 
actress, whatever. She probably had school and whatever. But anyway, I thought it would be an interesting concept if they would have done that. I, I, I don't think they could have done that unless, by coincidence, the cousin that she had had been twins. Because well, that's what I mean. Yeah, that they that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Logistically, yeah. I don't yeah. think they could have done it, but it would have been nice. It just would have been nice to have the doctor with a different type of a companion, someone that you know, obviously a, a much younger girl that might not be, you know, lusting over him, or you know, just something a little bit different, just to kind of stir up the um, the equation, you know. And uh, and I, I thought that would have been. You know, because we really hadn't seen that before, with some exceptions. We could go to the, the, the Peter Cushing films where he had a, you know, a Susan there was much younger than um, the Susan, that the proper Susan from the television series. Uh, outside of that, you know, you don't really, you know, Wilf might be another exception, you know, uh, someone that was is, is a much older, if, if you consider Wilf, you know, to be a proper companion. But so just kind okay. of... Stirring things up there, but I, I, Dave, you were about to say yeah, something. Yeah, it's 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 something that. Oh, sorry, yeah, go ahead, Dave. Oh, I was just saying, I, I should slightly correct you that because um, we do see the eleventh Doctor at the uh, before the eleventh hour. We see him at the very end of end of time. Well, His that's true. Is on the first yeah. of January. 2010. So then we have to wait until April. So the first appearance, not quite as long as we're going to have to do with the the 12th Doctor, but yes, so his appearances there uh, are rather um, ignominious, I thought. I didn't particularly, when I first... Because, I mean, uh, let's face it, we've seen virtually nothing of Peter Capaldi and people are already drawing conclusions of what how brilliant he may well uh, be as the Doctor. And to my mind, um, uh, I was not very thrilled at all with the first appearance. And that's why I'm just taking time out to mention it, because mm-hmm. when I saw Matt Smith at first, I thought he was... Uh, his first little on-screen cameo bit, I didn't like it at all. I didn't think he was particularly good. Even though I'd seen him in Ruby in Smoke, where he played alongside Billy Piper, prior to that, so I knew that he could act, but he didn't seem to be that brilliant. Uh, and then, of course, um, we had this uh, first episode. And, of course, it was a longer one, wasn't it? It was a 65-minute episode that he came back in the uh, the first one. The 11th this, hour? Um, the 11th hour. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 65 minutes, which is, um, you know, uh, like almost like a special, you know, length, you know. Indeed. And he's, we should also make a note that this is the first, um, you know, out, you know, before this, it was Peter Davison being the youngest cast actress. So this is now the, you know, uh, at this point, the youngest, he was 26 now um, when he was cast to play the Doctor. Previously, the youngest was um, Peter Davison holding that title at 29 when he was cast. Indeed, yeah. So, but he has this... He's, uh, had- yeah, I, just to the point of age, he had uh, one of the things that they were going after. I think originally Stephen Moffat was looking for an older actor to play the Doctor, but when they saw Matt Smith, they brought him in. Um, they kind of knew right away that he was the Doctor because um, I get you know his um, 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 you know um, what do you call it when the not rehearsal? Come on, Ian, you know when when they try out screen test. Um, screen test. Uh, yeah, that. Um, <laughs> yeah, screen test. 
that thing. When when they get called in to do a reading, uh, whatever, I can't. My mind is gone to audition. Audition. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> they they knew right off that that he was the one. So and he had this like old young face, and, it, and those that see him, you know, see that quality will probably know what I mean. So, uh, so yeah, so that he was cast as a doctor and, um, and like I said, I, I thought the first year, you know, I think he got off fairly well. There, there were, there was some, you know, highs and lows, of course, with every season. I, I do like the, the fact that they brought Rory in as a companion then. So now the doctor once again has more than one companion, you know, because for a while there, you know, during the, you know, with an exception of Captain Jack, it was um, for a while there that it was it was a lot of just one companion with the doctor. Um, right. That that and there was a brief time with Adam, I think, you know, <laughs> but other than that, um, I, I did I did like Roy when he was in a take charge mode. You know, more so than when he was being befuddled, which to me, I think, was more often than not. And then, you know, they had this reoccurring thing about him dying and coming back and, you know, and, and here, you know, he, he dies and comes back as a Roman soldier, and which is a little iffy and whatever. You keep but, forgetting about that, that first series with the, 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 death, <laughs> the beginning of the deaths of Rory. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, don't forget that uh, Rory, it, there was no place for Rory, apparently, to start with. It was definitely just the two of them. And um, uh, there's no doubt about it that uh, space was made for the, uh, well, Arthur Darvill as a, an actor. I think it was actually Vampires of Venice before he actually came aboard and went on an adventure. So, yes. uh, you know, we were three or four, three or four episodes in before that. With the, the, the thing about the casting... I think there's quite a few people that speculate. I wonder whether this older actor uh, that Stephen Moffat was looking for might have even been Peter Capaldi at that stage. And maybe the timing wasn't right. Maybe there were other contractual things that never are, are indeed that he was just blown away by Matt Smith's uh, audition, as you said. Yeah, it, it, we started off with the, the special. I thought um, the 11th hour had a really good introduction. Didn't particularly like the spaceship, but that's about the only thing I didn't yeah. like about mm-hmm. it. Uh, just rewatched it before we were talking tonight, so um, uh, he, he has. I thought actually that um, uh, a while ago Matt Smith had looked uh, a little bit tired. I mean, they must have worked him like mad. I mean, we do know, and we've said this before, haven't we? That when when the classic Doctor Who was uh, season of Doctor Who was on, the guys were working four to six weeks, 48 weeks a year, and they had to work around the holidays and so on. But what they didn't do was all these promotional, all these sound overs, all these, you know, all these um, teaser clips, all these uh, mm-hmm. endless, I would imagine, endless interviews that they do, sponsorship things they do, going on all these other different shows. I mean, let's face it, there were only two or three of the channels they could go on and be interviewed on. And in those days, you know, ITV and BBC and so on didn't really share things like that. I mean, if, they, if the BBC had a great hit, the ITV wouldn't put a show on and interview their star and basically give the BBC free advertising for a great show, where now they've got to fill... They, they know that somebody's a hot topic, uh, a hot item, and it doesn't matter whether their series is on your channel or not. 
you want you want to be able to bag them with an interview. So the the work uh, that he's done and uh, so on. I mean, he, 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 he was he wasn't quite as thin as David thin as David Tennant at the beginning, but he he was certainly getting there. And with his, his, as as we talk about that costume, that picture that's just serviced. I mean, he had these little drain pouch trousers shorter than they should be. Uh, ably assisted by his little legs um <laughs> so it, 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 it um you know it gave him this character but um well I, I do agree with you and i think they're an awful I was just going to say, I mean, this started the trend of bringing uh matt smith stephen moffat and and um um uh, there goes Karen the brain again Karen, Karen Gillum, uh, into the city, into New York City. The 11th hour I saw on the big screen in the city uh, uh, for a preview, and then they did that again for the next series as well. So, uh, yeah, they, you know, they were making the rounds, you know, and then they, they started doing the Comic Cons, you know, the in San Diego as well. So, yeah, you're right. They, they've been, they, they ran these actors and actresses ragged, you know, um, get, you know, and then maybe like that- the doctor. Well done. Yeah. I need fish fingers and custard. <laughs> Indeed. Build his strength up. Yes. Uh, but uh, you're talking about the young Amelia. I mean, uh, yes, there's quite a lot of people who uh, who, who felt that um, that relationship was good, good but it was always uh, going to be a difficult one. He, there's no way he could, as an unescorted adult, take Amelia with him in the TARDIS. So that made it a non-starter in, a, in one sense. Uh, but there's no doubt about it that the, there was a lot of intrigue there. Uh, I remember how many, many people were seeing, you know, even in the, the 11th hour one where, you know, we have this, uh, you know, he, he meets and then 12 years goes by, then he pops out again because his TARDIS is... What have you got for me now? That was a new thing, wasn't it? That the TARDIS had redecorated itself and the Doctor was going to be surprised. Ian might want to come in on that in a moment. But um, mm-hmm. then he comes back and another two years have gone by. Uh, but when he comes back, you see the young Amelia sitting on a suitcase. You hear the sound of the TARDIS. But he doesn't arrive to her. He arrives to Karen, who's in bed, as we find out. It's the night before her wedding. Uh, a little matter that she um, she just says to the doctor, oh, I've just got stuff. Can you get me back for tomorrow morning? Why? Well, I've got stuff. And then mm. it, it, uh, the, the episode finishes, I think, with a, a close-up of her wedding dress. But um, there was that thing about the TARDIS, wasn't there, and the, the whole new design, Ian? You want to go yeah. there? Well, I mean, I guess it's, it's all right that the, the TARDIS can reconfigure itself, but... I always liked it when, you know, like we see at the beginning of uh, uh, the Five Doctors, mm-hmm. where you know the Doctors just got done doing it himself, and so this kind of takes away from that that you know the Doctor can do these things that he can recon, you know. But then again, it doesn't really matter. But I didn't really like the new Tardis console room. So, I mean, I suppose it worked it was with the Doctor's wife. So, I mean, we didn't. Yeah, but we didn't yeah. know at this point that we were going to have the Doctor's Wife episode and they were going to bring the personality of the TARDIS mm. more into the story. And I suppose the fact that... What what was the line she said? I've got some, like, 26 wallpapers or something. And he says something like, well, I've only had 12. It's like the future ones. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. So yes, do you want to give... 
do you want to, before we go any further on, on this first, uh, I mean, 39 stories, 44 episodes, do you just want to actually uh, list the episodes that were, because his first um, series was actually series five, wasn't it? Um, should I just quickly read through the episode titles? Just to remind people sure. listening that, because yeah, uh, we're not going to touch on every episode. All right, so we have the 11th hour, which was this 65-minute which is really um, 20 minutes long. It's uh, quite a good length, followed by The Beast Below, which some people thought was quite a poor episode for one obviously glaring thing that the Doctor didn't notice. Uh, <laughs> uh, Victory of the Daleks, um, The Time of Angels and Fle uh, Flesh and Stone two-parter. And then it's only after that, The Vampires of Venice, that um, Rory actually makes space for himself within that relationship. Uh, then we've got the um, rather unusual one, Amy's Choice. Uh, Hungry Earth, Cold Blood, the two-parter. My favourite, and thank you for playing that clip uh, a little while ago from Vincent the Doctor, my favourite episode of this particular series, yeah. although I did enjoy 11th Hour. Uh, then The Lodger. Uh, again, The Lodger's uh, divided people a little bit. Maybe we want to talk about that one a little bit. And then the two-parter, the Pandorica opens and the Big Bang. I'd have to say that um, I'd have to agree with you. Vincent and Doctor, definitely my favorite. I mean, um, why we haven't had Richard Curtis back to write? I was thinking episode, the same I thing. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. How come Richard I mean, Curtis? That didn't was. Come... Yeah, see, it's the only time that, um, that the new series has really kind of pulled at my heartstrings um, and my emotions. And and me yeah, being all, being a big it, science fiction head, I I actually would actually eliminate the science fiction aspect of that story and just leave the science fiction to the time travel yeah. because yeah. we didn't need I the think monster, we the, the, the invisible monster. Yeah, I think it, the story holds um, up it quite well without anyway. it. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, they, they've done that before with the Lazarus experiment. That would have been a fantastic yeah. episode. If they hadn't had the bizarre monster in it, and yeah. they did it again with. Um, uh, with Hyde uh, in the latest series, they they had to be uh, the crooked man, yeah. which I didn't like. Uh, but the story I thought was fabulous. Anyway, let's jump in the gun. Go on, Ian. Yeah. Um. Black. Yeah. Uh, we met a few days ago. I, I asked you about the church and the verse. Where do you think Van Gogh rates in the history of art? Well, um, big question, um, but. To me, Van Gogh is the finest painter of the world. Certainly the most popular, great painter of all time. The most beloved. His command of color, the most magnificent. He transformed the pain of his tormented life into ecstatic beauty. Pain is easy to portray, but to use your passion and pain to portray the ecstasy and joy and magnificence of our world, no one had ever done it before. Perhaps no one ever will again. To my mind, that strange, wild man who roamed the fields of Provence was not only the world's greatest artist, but also one of the greatest men who ever lived. Vincent. Sorry. I'm sorry, is it too much? No. They are tears of joy. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Sorry about the beard. <laughs> so 
So I think we can all agree if we could yeah. recommend one one episode of that series. It'd be, yeah. Yeah, the Vince, Vincent and the Doctor would be yeah. the one. Yeah, and the fantastic uh, performance too by um, and and cameo by Bill Nye there, um, mm. who uh, is actually isn't even credited in the episode. I mean, mm. you'll see him on the uh, the the wiki page, but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah ignore the monster because you, you don't even need it. You know. Uh, you get us just this wonderful story, and and one of the things that that struck me and, and uh, struck an emotional chord with me is right after the, the scene um, when they take him back. Um, the thing that struck me as they dropped him off is it doesn't matter; it's still not enough. Um, you know, because you're like, well, aren't you aren't you playing with you know time? Aren't you gonna you know affect? Um, what happens to to Vincent? It's like no, because when it comes to depression, it doesn't matter. And at the time that he lived, there was no, you know, there were no drugs to pull him out of, you know, his depression. There was, you know, nothing to save him in that regard. Um, and that's that's what made it even more powerful. Is you knew when. Yeah, because of what we now know about depression, that and dropping him back into his regular time, that that the history was going to take its course because mm-hmm. it didn't matter how wonderful his work was received in the future, and 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 how wonderful he would be seen, uh, you know, and how wonderful his art was received, it, it wasn't going to be enough. Nothing would ever be enough mm-hmm. um, to 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 pull him out of. Um, uh, you know, to pull him away from yeah. from suicide. So, um, it's just such a. It's like it was just brilliant uh, planning for an episode and, and a great subject um, to, to to pull up. Uh, you know, it's a, a difficult one too to oh, to, absolutely, have, to have sure. chosen. Yeah, but but yeah. I think a very very wise choice because you know. Uh, it deals with these kind of an, this this kind of issue, um, and and I for one really really appreciated that that the show I love tackled you know um, the, the the topic of depression. And let's not forget as well. I mean, I think that, that there was some indication that um, because of this event that, that, that actually Vincent did paint a few more paintings before uh, mm. that and maybe. Doctor, you know more paintings than he would have done, but uh, I mean the the thing is we're, we're back to the roots of of uh, Doctor Who in terms of educating. I mean uh, the number of teachers that must have had a, a project certainly with younger children right. on Vincent. Uh, I mean it's actually topical. There's just been a, a news item uh, about the uh, the sunflowers because he painted it more the sunflowers more than once, and uh, the experts have been talking about the different uh, interpretations of that. But then it was followed by uh, what I think is a, a, of this particular group. Um, well, maybe it was, but um, the lodger was one of the ones. And this is where uh, the Matt Smith interpretation of the Doctor through the writers, not because of his acting, I think also uh, was, was thrown into relief because we have this situation where the Doctor was suddenly shown to be Gauche and, and not very 
uh, ha- well around adults. You know, he seemed to not know things where, of course, uh, we know that the Doctor's one Doctor and we have these different incarnations of him. But with David Tennant, David Tennant was able to put on the big ease. You know, you don't have to think about um, Planet of the Dead where he's the one on the on the bus, you know, reassuring people, you know, you know, chops and gravy, this, that, you know, what, t- getting them to identify with what makes their life uh, interesting and what they're going to get back to and he's promising them that. And then we have this... Uh, interpretation of the doctor where you know it, 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 you know doesn't even know about i don't know cleaning yeah. your teeth and the, they, they made him and too much of a fish out of that. water i mean he's been on earth long enough yeah. to know enough about earth culture you know he, he mm. during the whole john Perry era he was basically trapped on earth uh, <laughs> um so yeah he he, he there's no reason why he would be not astute to human culture enough to kind of blend in and, and be, you know, they, they tried to make him too much of a fish out of water, I think, in, in this story. You know, I, yeah. I guess they were playing the, other, the, the, other the news, alien aspect of him. Now, the other news thing is that there's always been a connection with uh, Doctor Who and Blue Peter. And um, again, we, we've said the spoiler warning, but uh, in, in, in in this, there's this, um, there's this other apparent ship or whatever and we think oh is that the one designed by blue peter but of course um i think we find out later that that's uh in another uh, episode yeah. that was delayed and that goes into the next mm-hmm. series so well so, so um, before we go into we the ha- next one just some hi- some other points about this particular year of doctor who the series is um of course, we have the obligatory Return of the Daleks and Victory of the Daleks, but it also brought in, it also introduced us to the Skittle Daleks, um, which was uh, not well <laughs> received by many fans. The the multicolor, which I think, if um, if I recall correctly, I think it was Stephen Moffat's nod to you know the the 1960s films when we saw the you know uh, this was the first time you seeing Doctor Who in color back at you know the Peter Cushing films in the 1960s. So they obviously they painted the Daleks in multicolors and they wanted to emphasize that you know that things are in color as opposed to the TV series which was in black and white at the time. So, uh, so I think that the the these uh, big dialects that were in multicolors, I think, was a nod to that. Uh, we also see the return of the of of the angels of the you know the um, you know the you know from yeah, the weeping angels, the weeping yeah. angels, yeah. But when when you talk about those dialects, I mean, they were a bit softy because he did this. Or it's a jammy dodger, but I was promised tea. <laughs> he held him. He held him at bay with a jammy dodger. <laughs> and and oh, don't don't even say that because people have analysed that, and it's not a proper jammy dodger. Oh, apparently, no. <gasps> apparently, <laughs> dear conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Well, I think you missed oh, Ian, you missed know. our last episode with uh with the jelly. Oh no, you you actually were on that episode with the jelly babies. I think. Right. Yes. Yes, we had a whole discussion. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing I would say is that the, the two parts at the end, the Pandorica opens and the Big Bang, I mean, that had a really good switcheroo, didn't it? I mean, that was the bit I liked about that, where where the Doctor is, is imprisoned in the Pandorica. And then we have the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the very... I mean, Stephen Moffat, who wrote that, final two-parter he is good at things like that you think you know where he's going and then suddenly uh, something happens um didn't we have mops and fezzes somewhere along the line here yeah 
Mops and fizzes. <laughs> Pendark opens. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this season yeah, also not, not. It reintroduced or brought back an old foe, the Doctor, the the Solorians. You know, we. Uh, it seems like every new year, Doctor Who, we're you know, every time there's a new season, we're always hoping for a return of one of the you know all-time favorites or uh, from Doctor Who's past. Pirani. You never know this. Uh, you never know. It's the Ronnie. <laughs> so uh, this time it was the Solorians in the Hungry Earth and Cold Blood, which now we have a recurring yep. character in, um, you know, Madame Vestra, you know, is a Solorian, um, you know. Um, detective. In, in, in detective in the, in, in what, the 19th century. Mm-hmm. All right. Panoster gang. Now, what I would say before you perhaps want to move on to series six is um, one of my favourite uh, Christmas episodes. Uh, um, this was his first uh, Christmas and that was special. A Christ- yeah, a Christmas Carol. Um, I mean, uh, apart from the fact I didn't like uh, a certain fish pulling a certain carriage. Mm-hmm. Other than that, I, I thought that was again very sad. Really, I mean, it doesn't exactly. The heroine doesn't exactly uh, come out of it very well, but it was a, a very, very good story. I thought one of the um, certainly better than ones that to, were to come. The widow and the wardrobe, whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the Chris, a Christmas Carol is probably, to my mind, Matt Smith's best Christmas episode. I think I preferred it to the Snowman as well. Although, again, uh, well, we'll talk about that later. I, I like the companion in that, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you guys rate A Christmas Carol before we move on to six? Well, as I said, this no, is I his first... Because... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. No. Oh, I was just um, saying that... Well, uh... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right, you first! All right. No, I, I, was just, I, I have nothing much to say. I just want to say, you know, make a point that this was his first outing, you know, as the Doctor in a Christmas special. It's uh, obviously, with a name like A Christmas Carol, obviously it's, it takes on... The, the the Christmas motif of you know of of a Christmas special, uh, but not so much as um, I think the next one does, which I think doesn't do it nearly as well. Um, and I was going to say, I just don't like the whole fact that at the end she, she ends up dying, <laughs> and the Doctor is responsible f- directly for that because he like. Hey, let's bring this woman out of cold storage every Christmas until she dies. Um, and I just don't like that. And, you know, we've seen the doctor, well, we'll actually see the doctor later on um, cure people by pulling some kind of magic potion out of the TARDIS console. Um, say, here, this will fix that. Um, and we, you know, I wanted to see the doctor do that. Here's, here's a Christmas present. You know, I've cured her. And now you can live with it forever, you know. But uh, that would have been better. But no, instead we're left with, oh, this is our last day I left alive. Have fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's it's not my, my, my favorite. Um, the Doctor and the Weir, the Wardrobe and the Wardrobe is not never really my favorite either. Um, <laughs> no. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So in between those two Christmas specials is the Series 6, or the 2011 series, which uh, starts off with the Impossible Planet, and then we have Day of the Moon, 
curse, the curse of the black spot, the doctor's wife, and then rebel flesh and the almost people. The impossible astronaut, the first one. I think you said that incorrectly. Did I? Did I? What impossible did I say? astronaut. Did, what did, did I say planet? Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> Um, a good man goes to war. Let's kill Hitler. Night terrors. The girl who waited. The God complex. Closing time, and it closes with the wedding of River Song. So um, that's uh, 2011. We have uh, now. Now speaking of River Song, this is really River Song um, was introduced during um, David Tennant's era, you know, and was you know. Sort of a, a mystery then, and then you know they they brought her back again, you know, with Matt Smith, and um, we start learning more and more about her. But um, I really liked her when she was mysterious, and that, and I, I think that played more to the strength of the show and the mystery about her and what her relationship with the Doctor is, and and I think as we learned more and more about her, it just it. That shine wore off a bit for me. I, I wasn't too thrilled about, you know, the revelation of that, you know, she turns out to be the child of Amy and Rory. And, um, you know, eventually, even though it wasn't real, wasn't the real doctor that, you know, the, the marriage there that she's really, you know, in a sense, the doctor's wife, um, I felt was a little cliche. And um, I don't know. So it was disappointing how it kind of ended and, you know, her character. I don't think she's as strong as she is in, you know, today as she was when she was more mysterious and didn't really, you know, it was more of a mystery of how she's, you know, how she's doing what she's doing, you know, how how she's able to do what she's, do, you know, with the doctor and, and, and what's the story behind it all. And, and that mystery played up more, um, made it more special. All right. Uh, well, I mean... I mean, although this series was split into two parts, we didn't have such a long wait, did we? I mean, this series ran from 23rd of April to uh, June the 4th, the first half, and then we only had to wait till the 27th of August uh, to the 1st of October for the second half. We had the two parts of The Impossible Astronaut and Air the Moon um, and The Rebel Flesh Almost People. Uh, the Impossible Astronaut Day of the Moon, we had uh, The Silence... Uh, debuted on that the impossible astronaut of course was um, was was filmed uh, in the united states now where we've had episodes before mm -hmm. that have appeared to be yeah. in the united states they haven't actually gone there and filmed i mean this was 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 uh, actually uh, done in america it was the, it was actually really a big launch series 6 was really uh, the, they stepped up a gear with dot 2 so uh, there was no doubt about it that they were they were pushing the boat out with this and um of course what had happened as well is that um, some of the things that had happened in series 5 uh, were resolved at the beginning of series 6 there was a continuation and this was something that that we've only recently come to find out in Stephen Moffat that it's not a question of having a, a season arc. We've basically had an 11th Doctor arc, uh, as we came to find out. Uh, weakest episode, maybe, although I quite enjoyed it, was The Curse of the Black Spot. Uh, the Doctor's Wife, um, again, 
I think that was an excellent episode, but I remember on first watching, it, it was slight, slightly oddball. But again, that's the Neil Gaiman writing. He, he does, uh, you know, dark uh, fiction. That's that's his style of writing. And um, uh, so we had the uncle and some funny people there. But we had some great ideas with the the boxes with the the captured uh, time lords in it, and uh, and we had the personality. We were told we we're going to see more inside the TARDIS. Uh, I'll probably let Ian talk about that a little bit. But, uh, we, 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 oh, I felt a bit cheated. We only saw a few more corridors. And we had a rather bizarre scene with uh, Amy and Rory, who seemed to be left out of that episode somewhat. Uh, then we had the, the Ganga one, the Ganga two-parter, which may be a clip that we'll hear about in a bit. Then we had the uh, rather bizarrely Let's Kill Hitler one with the, um, the Tessellators coming in. Uh, so there was an awful lot happened. Some people are really big fans of uh, uh, the girl who waited and felt that um, this was uh, probably uh, Karen Gillan's best episode uh, in terms mm -hmm. of uh, her portrayal of the part. Uh, no, they did. They did. Uh, <laughs> closing time, of course, was a returning one. That was uh, actually um, we we thought that Karen. And uh, they'd left because they just had a little cameo in closing time. This was the one where the um, and we referred to it, I think, in our last one was um, where where they had the Cybermen below the shop, uh, yeah. and it was returning to the lodgy one, and then the rather complex Wedding of River Song, which um, um, I think a few people really had to watch at least three times to get their head around this alternate dimension that we seem to be in with this one, but. Um, uh, Ian, do you want to pick the bones out of that lot and maybe then Lewis will play something um, from the Rebel Flesh, our almost people? Yeah, the Impossible Astronaut uh, Day of the Moon, unfortunately, we were, um, Impossible Astronaut was slightly spoiled by the BBC themselves by releasing an image before the, um, the episode had actually screened and giving away, of course, the, the, the whole regeneration sequence thing. Um, so that was a bit, uh, a bit annoying. Curse of the Black Spot I found to be kind of back to the um, good old classic Doctor Who. Doctor and companions arrive on the scene. There's a mystery. Mystery gets solved. And everybody goes home for a spot of tea. Um, Doctor's wife, I mean, just brilliant, you know. Um, you know, there's been a couple of episodes in, in the new series that have been called, like, you know, a, a love letter to fans. This one's a love letter from fans, I think, uh, mm -hmm. or from one particular fan, um, and it just really hits the right, the right tone and the right spot. I mean, the only thing I didn't really like was the repetitive corridors. I mean, yes, we'd seen that with the Randalls before, but we'd managed to break it up with a room here or there, or <laughs> or an abandoned factory or hospital or whatever it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that's and, the, that's a, and this was the one where the Blue Peter uh, console came in, didn't it? Yes, the yeah, one that the Jerry rigged the, the, the scrap, yeah, the scrap console, um, and of course the the pretty one being Rory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rebel Flesh and almost people to me uh, um, was a great idea for a story. Um, that could have almost gone into three episodes had we not just left 
this whole idea at the door and then the doctor left. There's actually something to explore there. Um, but it almost seemed like the whole idea for this two-parter was just to give us this reason to have you know, Amy disappear in a puddle of goo at the, at the end of the episode. Let's go. I mean, good man goes to war. Um, all I can say is exploding boob. Um, <laughs> Amy's boob exploded. No, it's the baby. Uh, even that's even worse. There just seemed to be a whole lot of uh, running around for in the end nothing. Yeah. Um, we get a doctor promising to go off and, and find um, find the baby, which he never does, because the baby turns up later on as the best friend of Amy and Rory and let's kill Hitler and then regenerates into River Song proper well Job this first. was the finale not, not, <laughs> this was the, the mini fin- you know because it was broken up into two the series was broken up into two segments as Dave said at the top right. you know that um, so this was the spring the end of the spring so they had to force like a finale in the middle of the series so and that's what mm. what this was but I think it was there was no right real substance to it. Well, I don't know about force a finale. I mean, uh, didn't Stephen Moffat try and turn that on its head by saying, look, you get a season eight, that means you get two cliffhangers. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted cliffhangers, we're giving you two of them. Uh, in The Doctor's Wife, I should mention, by the way, we had, uh, and I hadn't recognised the voice, they had Martin Sheen as the voice of House, which is um, was... Uh, deeply altered uh, and some people were a little bit upset that they, they couldn't recognise who, who the guy was but um, yeah um, uh, a pretty, I mean the thing was the Impossible Astronaut was almost so good an episode, oh, we had the sudden jump in age didn't we as well we had the, um, mm-hmm. the this um, uh, we, we had the bit where Riversong and the Doctor comparing their, uh, their books, their diaries and then we suddenly have the uh, we find out that this doctor's is it eleven hundred years old instead of nine hundred years old, uh, and this has been going on. We, I mean, goodness me, this eleventh doctor must have had the longest in in his generation mm-hmm. than the most of the others. Although we don't mm-hmm. know much about the first one before he left Gallifrey. Um, did you say you were going to play a clip from this series before we move? I wasn't done yet. He was in the middle. Oh, I wasn't done tearing this one apart. I mean, he was about to go. So I interrupted him. I, I, it's my fault. He was about to go into Let's Kill Hitler. No, it's, yeah. <laughs> Let's Kill Hitler. Jodpers. Ha <laughs> uh, ha. Night Terrors was a good old scary one. Um, I actually rather liked that. Uh, it was quite cute and uh, just a nice finish to it. Um, almost, you know, tugged at the heartstrings. Uh, the girl who waited was a piece of. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> no, I didn't like it at all because it was an Amy-centric episode, and I don't like her. And so, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not making any bones about it. You know, it's like I don't like her. Okay, you're honest. The God complex. About it. Uh, yeah, uh, the God complex contained a companion we should have had and didn't get. Um, unfortunately. Um, and it was good. It was uh, really kind of atmospheric. You know, uh, everybody's trapped in this uh, the hotel. hotel. Um, yep. Closing time. Um, not a huge fan of it because the Cybermen were a bit pants. Uh, and uh, that 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 large fellow was back again. 
<laughs> with the arms. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the winning of River Song was just too confusing and, and convoluted to... And just had, you know, if 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 you wanted to complain about uh, Russell T. Davies' Deus Ex, uh, you know, pulling pulling a uh, resolution out of nowhere, here you go, winning, winning a river song. Oh, he was a tesselector the whole time. Whoopee. Yeah, just, just way to ruin that first episode. <laughs> um, yeah, so there, that's that, that's that. See, now you can go. Well, the God Complex, you, you, you skipped over quickly. I mean, we had David Williams as a guest on that. Mm, I don't know why uh, I liked it. <laughs> yeah, we, we saw Amelia, young Amelia Pond come back with Caitlin. And um, was it, um, it... It was Lucy Hayward was the failed... Was it? Was she the one that was the failed... Uh, should have been companion. But, it, yeah, it, it was... Uh, was had those rather bizarre um, figures in it, didn't it? The, the, the puppets, the uh, mm-hmm. things in it. Anyway, yeah. yeah, we need to move on. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I thought maybe the story, arc, the whole season arc here might have been getting in the way of the episodes. I, it just seemed to be a bit complex, and it just, it, it seemed, I don't know. It, it's, you know, it's good to have these story arcs, but I don't know if it's, I, I think we just went too crazy in this one, in this series. But here's a little bit from um, either the Rebel Flash or Almost People. Where's Jen? What have you done with her? I haven't seen her, I swear. But look, I'm her. I'm just like her. I'm real. You're a copy. I know that she's afraid. And she needs our help. We've worked together for two years. I work with Jennifer Lucas, not you. Okay. Let's not do anything at all. Until the doctor gets here. The flesh was never merely moss. These are not copies. The storm has hardwired them. They are becoming people. We are not talking about an accident that needs to be mopped up. We are talking about sacred life. First step is we get everyone together, then get everyone safe, then get everyone out of here. This circus has gone long enough! Oh, great. You see, that is just so typically me. Doctor, tell it to shut up. Please, no, no, no! Circuit probe. Fires about, ooh, 40,000 volts would kill any one of us, so I guess she'll work on gangers just the same. So it's interesting you refer to them as it, but you call a glorified cattle prod a she. When the real people are safely off this island, then I'll happily talk philosophy over a pint with you, Doctor. What are you going to do to them? Sorry, they're monsters. Mistakes. They have to be destroyed. Give me the probe, please. We always have to take charge, don't we, Miranda? Even when we don't really know what the hell is going on. Yeah, that's from the Rebel Flesh. Uh, I think uh, uh, Marshall Lancaster we had in that, by the way, and uh, we remember him from uh, Life, uh, Life on Mars? Yep. Ah, yes, yes, that's true. So, yeah, some interesting concepts um, that, that are being explored in, in those two episodes. So we move ahead to uh, the, 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 um, Matt Smith's second Christmas special, which now is The Doctor, The Widow, and The Wardrobe, which I didn't think it was... Um, I don't know, I had some problems with it. it Weak. Yeah. It, to me, it didn't feel like a Doctor Who story. It felt like a Christmas special that happened to have The Doctor starring in it. It just didn't. It seemed that it. It didn't just seem. It didn't seem like a Doctor Who episode at all to me. 
Could have been good, because we're all key. We're all because we, we're going to have Bill Bailey do a cameo in it. Yeah, and, uh, it Alexander. Awful. Yeah, <laughs> Alexander Armstrong was in it, and uh, mm-hmm. Claire Skinner was in it. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah. I mean, he starts off with the Doctor in a Willy Wonka type of role. He's you know, he's doing you know, he could have been Willy Wonka in that. Moving the furniture around, dancing around the room, and funny things. It was a little bit of. Um, oh, I mean, that whole, that whole oh. escape scene at the beginning, where he escaped from that spaceship. Oh yeah, I forgot and about landed that. Landed on the on, on Earth. It's like you know, Perry was probably going, "Oh no!" <laughs> there we go. A second name check for Perry Perry Garakines. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, the checks in the mail, is it Perry? Okay. It's a NASA advisor on the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I thought you meant Perry, the companion, at first, until I realized you meant the other uh, Perry. Pepper Killing and Brown. My mistake. I've been talking about the wrong yeah. Perry. <laughs> yeah, we wondered where that Perry went. <laughs> like, why would Pepper Killing Brown be upset? <laughs> I, was trying, I was trying to connect the dots there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, the, the, I mean, and, well, uh, Again, jumping ahead, I mean, this was supposed to be the Christmas... Every, every, I don't know what I could do without the Christmas specials in some ways. I've said it before, but... Um, well, I'll, I'll say it again. Because well, you've said it as well, Lewis. I, I say, yeah, yeah because you could have a Christmas special, but it doesn't have to be a Christmas special, you know? It could be an, just a, a Doctor Who story that, that captures the spirit of Christmas and the holidays, but it doesn't have to be you know, Christmas trees and it doesn't have to be all the, you know, before the, I mean, before Doctor Who came back, we didn't have Christmas specials. There were, you know, they, they, you have to go to the Feast of Stephen perhaps (laughs) with the first Doctor to, or, um, to get any, any, or, or the canine special to get any Christmas references. Otherwise it really wasn't that big of a deal. And now it just seems like, Okay, I know it's a tradition like, now, and you want to do something for the holidays and for the Christmas, and I'm all for that. But it doesn't mean every Christmas special has to be, you know, laden with Christmas motifs, you know, and um, you know. Well, that's, that's where I think um, the snowman. Stephen Moffat kind of introduced that um, when you look at Russell's Christmas specials. I mean, the first one was set on Christmas, and we had the snowmen, but they were just robots dressed up. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. the whole, the web and and um, the Ragnos and everything like that. That was you know, um, you know, we got Runaway Bride. You know, um, we get into Stephen Moffat and we start getting this overabundance of Christmas. You know, it has to be set at Christmas and it has to be snowing and everybody's dressed up in Christmassy stuff. You know, we've kind of got into this you know way overdoing it, um, whereas. Yeah, you know, when you look at the the Russell T Davies Christmas specials, they were um, Dave's Dave's favorite one, uh, Voyage of the Damned. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it again. The <laughs> first forty odd minutes of that are quite good, and then it goes silly. Right. Um, but the, but, the, but mm-hmm. my my point on that one is is you could watch that any old time. It doesn't matter when you watch it. It's still brilliant, isn't it, Dave? Uh, and I mean. But that's my point, is is you can take that out and you can watch it anyway. I mean, the only time Christmas is mentioned is when they beam down to the planet, to, to Earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's around it's around Christmas time. 
aside from that, there's no, you know, it's not necessarily important. Yeah. So it's just recently that we've had this overabundance of Christmas in the Christmas specials. Yes. I mean, what are they going to do in a few years' time? I mean, you can have a Christmas day. I mean, you can't can't show eight two Christmas specials. I mean, maybe on some channel called Dave, and there's a channel called Dave in the UK. You know, where uh, it's one of these channels where, when they feel as though they've got no chance of of, of challenging the big channels on the ratings, they'll put like uh, six Carry On films on back to back, or you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, seven Die Hard movies on back to back, well I know they're not seven but you know what I mean they're, they're basically theme it and they'll put a six cowboy films on or something like that uh, and that's the only fate I can see for these that somebody will say right we're going to give you 12 hours of Dot True Christmas specials <laughs> got a shiver down my spine was that the Christmas horror? <laughs> <laughs> Moving along. All right, so we'll jump ahead to uh, the next, the following year, which is um, now. Now we're in um, 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 his third year, 2012. Yes, 2012, 2012, and um, I think maybe um, Matt Smith is back on better footing again in in this. Um, though, if we speak in strictly years, not in C, because this is uh, what's series seven, quote unquote, part one, and all that. Uh, but for 2012, it's only really five episodes plus a Christmas special. So it's a little short changed here because we we went from, you know, basically, a, you know, we went from December from the last Christmas special, obviously December 25th, 2011, all the way to September. So that's nine months there. And then we only have five episodes plus then the Christmas special. Um, and then we have to wait again until Series 7 comes back. The, the following year, right? But if that that would have been a sacrifice worth making, to my mind, if it meant that what was going to happen is that Doctor Who was always going to be in the autumn. So if they come back in September and then had fourteen episodes running up to Christmas, I'd have been a very happy person, very happy, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I, I could have foregone. You know the ones in April and three when the kids are really. You know you've had all the dark nights. The the in most states of America, I know not all, uh, sorry, Jeff, uh, but not all states. Um, and you, you, you know, the kids want to go, you want the kids to go outside. No point in having Dot 2 on at 5.30, 6.30 if it's still light enough for them to go and play out till 7, 8 o'clock, where in the winter uh, and where you want to cuddle around the fire and hide behind the sofa, that's what it should be. First of September is fantastic to me because then you could fit easily 10, 12 episodes, you know, finish about early December, then perhaps a three-week wait, and then suddenly you've got the super-duper Christmas special if indeed you're going to have uh, one. But, um, yeah, we had uh, just five there, didn't we? Asylum of the Daleks, Dinosaurs in the Spaceship, Town Called Mercy, The Power of Three, Angels Take Manhattan. Now, do we want to talk about those because we've got a Christmas special in between? Uh, should we take those as a group or do you want to name all Series 7? Well, I, I think um, a special call-out would be to the first one, Asylum of the Daleks, only because it's, it's well, it's, it's special because it introduces 
it pre-introduces a future companion. I mean, we've at this point, we, you know, us fans, uh, the audience knew that General Louise Coleman was uh, lined up to be the new companion, but uh, we knew that she wasn't going to be starting as the new companion until some time. And then this was kept as a secret in this episode that she was actually in it. And we, you know, so, you know, watching it, I remember watching it for the first time, I'm like, isn't that General Louise Coleman? When we see, um, and and obviously she isn't using her name Clara, she's uh, Oswin Oswald, I think was the um, the name that we were given for and her. It had, and it had had previews in cinemas as well. Yes. That was the, yeah. the fantastic thing Which about it. Stephen Moffat. 50 minutes long, that episode. Um, ordered the audience not to uh, spill the beans on... <laughs> on her being in it. So it's interesting in that respect because then we don't see her until, I mean, this was um, September, September 1st Asylum um, aired. So we don't see her again um, until the Christmas special that later in that December. So, but we go, so there's one, two, three, four other stories, complete stories without her in it. Now, I think you've got a clip for this one. Do you want to play that before we talk about the rest of the this little bit? I could, I could. Oh, that is cool. <laughs> Tell me I'm cool, Chimboy. What did you do? Hang on, I think I found the door thingy. No, tell me what you did. The Daleks, they have a hive mind. Well, they don't, but they have a sort of telepathic web. The path web, yes. I hacked into it, did a master delete on all the information connected with the Doctor. But you made them forget me. I've tried hacking into the path web, even I couldn't do it. Come and meet the girl who can. Hey, you're right outside, come on in. Oswin, we have a problem. Rescue me, Chimboy, and show me the stars. Does it look real to you? Does what look real? Where you are right now. It's a dream, Oswin. Where am I? Where am I? Because you are a Dalek. I am not a Dalek. I am not a Dalek! I'm human. You were human when you crashed here. It was you who climbed out of the pond. That was your ladder. Made it a full conversion. Where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Oswin, I am so sorry. Egg. Eggs. Um. I need to see this episode again. It'd be interesting to watch now, knowing who yeah. Clara is and her whole story, and you know, and the explanation of you know, obviously that she's you know is is in the Doctor's timeline streams, you know, all over the place, and that's why she keeps on reoccurring, and that explains her and dying, of course. Yeah, and that explains her being in this um, in this story here. Uh, by the way, were you playing with your keyboard when I was play- when that clip was playing in? No. 
You were very keen about some sort of keyboard in this episode, I remember. <laughs> keyboard placement. That's all I'm saying. Keyboard placement. <clears throat> yes. They'll, fig- they'll figure it out. The listeners will figure it out. I'm just trying to figure it out. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Keyboard think, placement. Think red dress and keyboard. Oh, placement. all right. Okay. All That's right. all I'm saying. <laughs> You boys. Mercy! We can't go on to a town called Mercy. <laughs> no, I mean, not. I liked everything in here except for a town called Mercy. I thought it was a bit of a, a waste. But, uh, um, love dinosaurs on the spaceship, maybe because of Rory's dad. He's <laughs> brilliant. Hmm. Um, Power of Three, I've got to watch that again because I don't really remember it, to be honest. Yeah, that's how memorable um, it is. The, it's it's with the, the black boxes, boxes appearing, and I don't know if that I, I to me I if I had to pick the weakest story of this series, I, I probably would say the power of three. I know you just said the, the town called Mercy, but I think even that has some merit to it. But I I'm, the power of three, I, I just well the one merit to to a town uh, to the power of three is that um, Jim sure. Redgrave. Well, go on. Jim Redgrave shows up as uh, Kate Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get this heartening back to, you know, uh, the Brigadier. So that's what I, the, the thing I like about it is that we got, you know. Well, in that case, in that case, we have to mention Dinosaur on the Spaceship for the fact that, um, uh, David Bradley's in it playing Solomon. Of course, who gets cast in, uh, Venture Space and Time mm-hmm. playing mm-hmm. First Doctor. Yeah. Like so. Yeah. Which you would never guess from his role in that because he plays a very different character in Dinosaurs in, on a spaceship. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I remember about this uh, section of the, the series uh, uh, were these stories where there was a quick resolution. In other words, um, uh-huh. I mean, for instance, Dinosaurs on Spaceship, you know, it's basically press a reset button again, isn't it? This is starting to come through. Um we definitely had that. Um, Town Call Mercy. I think yes. I think I think it wasn't the fact it was a bad episode. I just think it could have been could have been better. Yeah. And I think the trailer for it. it it's one of those things, you know. I'm sure it's the uh, the advertising people. If it's a weak story, they have to sell it. So when they do the trailer, they only for a trailer you only have to put five things in a trailer. So a weak story might have five good minutes in it, and they put all the five good minutes in the trailer. Right. Basically, the trailer think, "God, this is going to be a fantastic episode." And basically, you've seen the story in the trailer because that was a clever bit. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, Amy with a gun and uh, things like that. And who was the actor that you were disappointed was uh, uh, in that one? Ian? that was the. I think that was the letdown for you, wasn't it? The sheriff was it? Yeah, it was. Um... Oh, uh, <laughs> Ben Browder's, ben Browder's uh, appearance in it was uh, yes, less right. than um, what I, w- I was hoping for more Ben Browder because uh, a huge Farscape fan was like, oh, Ben Browder's in it. He's going to be awesome. And he was just underused and um, underwritten. And the Angels take yeah, Manhattan. So. We finally see, we suddenly, we finally bid farewell to the ponds. Uh, which I like that. Like which that. we've had bid farewell before, but they kept on coming back. So, 
this time there's no coming back well, well, the big thing about I mean, there were some good scenes in it with um, with Rory and Amy on the the rooftop and Ian saying, "Yes, jump!" Yeah, but um, <laughs> but the thing was again having having the Statue of Liberty. I mean, there's no way nobody's going to be looking at the Statue of Liberty. I mean, that didn't work for me. Um, those cherubs were rather scary as well in the dark. Those little uh, mm-hmm. cherub ones. Um, oh yeah. Uh, being funny about the way that the uh, you know the uh, Weeping Angels. Uh, this seems to have been successful, then not successful, then successful, not successful. Because uh, the concept, I mean, Blink was so fabulous. Uh, I don't think the, the the Weeping Angels have been better since then. Uh, but I, I did like the way that, um, uh, you know, w- we had Rory uh, and Amy killed off. And they only lived another 80 years. <laughs> well, they were already in the late 20s, weren't they? But, but I think they lived to be 84 and 86, something like that. But conveniently in the past, the the thing that caused a lot of issues with some people, of course, though, was why the doctor, why they were, they were ring-fenced that the doctor could never go and visit them again. Mm-hmm. I think that was the, the only sort of uh, difficult thing to get your head around. I mean, people would say, well, why did you just land the TARDIS across the state line and drive in to see them? You know what I mean? Right. But I think they had to put some some uh, limitations on it. But right. um, we're up to another Christmas. Blimey. <laughs> the Snowmen, which uh, we reviewed uh, not too long ago, which um, I, I think this is an improvement over the, the previous one, which um, greatly. Yes. And, uh, of course, it reintroduces General Louise Coleman and uh, as the companion, though not yet as the companion, but as... You know, the, the, the soon-to-be companion. The companion for this episode. Yes, yes. And it's less Christmassy. You know, yes, it's, it's in Victorian times, and yes, it's snowing, and um, it takes place, you know... And it, and it features that, that, that thing, the, the what is it? Um, well, we've all the, touched when, that when you thing. Whatever, yeah, the yeah. thing with the... Yeah. Oh, Jay Leno, is it? Jay Leno. Did Jay somebody Leno. want me to remember Jay Leno? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I seem to be on. Un- I seem to be under a cab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dan Stark has really become a f- fan favorite, hasn't he? Uh, well, the whole memory worm gag was just brilliant, and you know his authoritative little voice is just you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I appear to be run over by a cab. So. <laughs> you forgot the gloves, didn't you? What gloves? Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, I, I, I like the fact that Tom Ward was in this. Uh, uh, it was a, there's one great scene where he's talking to Clara, and uh, he said uh, he, he he was trying to say that she's a bit too young. He said you're too pretty or something. And then he got all flustered. But um, again, mentioned it before. Infinite Worlds of H. G. Wells. Catch him in that mini series. He's fantastic in that. Mm-hmm. And we see the return of the, the great in. the great intelligence in that as well, which. Um, which we we hadn't seen since the Patrick Troughton era, and mm. it, and it plays a part um, in in the next series to come, which starts off. Um, yeah, and again, oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just saying uh, this is another case of them having, and they did in the the the, the other couple of hours, uh, great casting of child actors. I think it was a, a, a real-life brother and sister that was cast in The Snowman. 
can't remember there was uh, Ellen Darcy Alden or something Francesca and her brother playing uh, the boy called Digby Josie Darcy's Alden they're both um, uh, they were very good in it and somebody else oh Ian Liz White your friend Alice yes yes no, yes. and also Sir Ian McKellen as the Great Intelligence, yeah. oh, as the yeah. voice of the Great Intelligence, very well done, very creepy. And of course, I mean, Richard, e. yeah, Grant. it's like, oh well, you got Ian McKellen. Of course, he's going to be good, but it's like, no, he was, he was doubly good. Yes, especially the beginning where he's like, you know, don't listen to them. It's just, why? <laughs> silly. They're silly. It's, oh, it gives, gives you a shiver up your spine. It does. It does work very well. And returning yeah. to Doctor Who Liz, is uh, Liz Richard, White, of course. Richard E. Grant as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Liz White was in uh, um, Life, on, Life Mars. on Mars. Yep, she's my favourite. Yummy. <laughs> anyway, so uh, so um, then we jump to 2013 uh, series seven part two with the Bells of Saint John and then the Rings of Akaten. And then uh, Cold War, Hyde, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, the Crimson Horror, uh, Aura. <laughs> you say it better Aura. than me. The Crimson Aura. Nightmare in Silver. He, just... he, he gets paid to say that, in case anyone is wondering. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, the easiest thing to do is to refer people back to the most recent Dot uh, Who pod shocks for that, because. Um, yes. Um, that's the, the, the last bunch that we've uh, we just been covering, isn't it? And then the name of the Doctor. I, I guess the, I guess the only big letdown on that was, was uh, Nightmare and Silver, you know, because, but I think we've got our, only got ourselves to blame on that one too because we saw that Neil Gaiman was writing this episode so we are like, oh, it's going to be extra special, it's special good. Um, and it ended up it wasn't. Um, but would we have thought differently, you know, had we, you know, like not known who was going to write it or it was, you wrote it under a pseudonym, you know, would, would, you know, what would have our expectations have been? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it had right. some, some merit, but I think it just failed on, um, on delivering what its potential could have been. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Is it? Uh, I mean, the series seven part two. Um, I think my favourite one. Again, it's uh, like the uh, the um, Vincent the Doctor one. I think it was probably um, Hyde. Although again, I didn't like the monster, but I, I thought the the acting in that uh, was was the. I think that was probably the the best one for me. Uh, and of course, we have the. Uh, Jessica Rain playing Emma Grayling, and of course Jessica Rain came back into the um, playing Verity Lambert in the uh, uh, Adventures in Space and Time. Um, so that was a, another link. And I mean, fancy getting the the, the quality Do Ray Scott uh, playing uh, Alex Palmer. So mm-hmm. uh, Alec Palmer. So great. I, I guess my favourite, uh, aside from the whole very 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 ending kind of coda thing that we got with the brothers um journey to the center of the tardis you know i like this explore the tardis we get a visual representation of of um you know the 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 tardis's power source you know 
um, which I thought was brilliant. Um, just like the whole idea of, you know, we, we actually got to see some rooms and everything. Um, so yeah, that for me was probably one of the highlights, um, uh, regardless mm-hmm. of story is just, you know, more, yeah. more TARDIS. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. the first time we saw more of the TARDIS really since, um, you know, going back to, um, the doctor's wife, which we didn't really get to see that much of it. And, um, you know, no. also the, the TARDIS has now been redone once again, has been regen, the insides mm-hmm. have been regenerated once again. And, uh, if, I would say the most, con- sorry, I was just going to say that, you know, that the, the return, you know, once again, we have the big returning foe is the, um, you know, the ice warrior in the cold war. So now they've come back and into the series. Right. Mm. I was just going to say, the, the, the most contentious episode, I think, there is the Rings of Akaten. I think that was the one that uh, mm. some people wow. really did love and other people had issues with. Yes, um, yes. I think that was the, perhaps the most divisive one of the, the group. I really loathed that one myself. I know the first 15 minutes were not bad, but then once the whole singing and silly stuff with the asteroid and I, it's, a lot of it just... I don't. I, I well, won't the singing was beautiful, and that it was the. It was the. Uh, you but know, you the, can, they're uh, hearing it across the space. No, they, you that. can't. I mean, it's. It doesn't scientifically. It makes no sense. It's. It's sort of like being attacked by a scribble and fear her, and it's. It goes. It's just. <laughs> it was. It was definitely the most fairy tale one of the uh, the series group, uh, and that's one of the things that Stephen Moffat said that. Uh, he, he he wanted more of this fairy tale, which I want less uh, of. Aspect to Doctor Who, <laughs> which I want less of. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Well. All right. I, I won't I won't harp on it, but it's it's definitely not up there with my favorite Doctor Who episodes. Um, it's, you know, it's yeah. Okay. So um, right, move along. Move along. Move along. <laughs> Specials. This is the 50th anniversary year. We should make a point of that's 2013. So uh, yeah. now we move into the specials. Um, we haven't really been, you know, talking about the, any mini episodes, you know, during our talk here. But um, I, I guess uh, Night of the Doctor has to be um, called into, um, you know, it should be mentioned as far as um, the return of, yeah, um, not, of, of yeah, the eighth not doctor. doctor you were expecting. Yes. Seven minutes of gold, yeah. Yep. I mean, it's too okay. bad that couldn't have been a full episode. I know. You know yeah, I still think we should get some more webisodes with uh, with a minute, but, you know, don't think that'll happen. Yeah. But, yeah, that was fantastic to have that, and everybody was surprised, and, you know, nobody knew, which is good that we finally got somebody at the BBC keeping a decent secret for a change. You know, we had too many things spoiled for us by the BBC, you know, mm-hmm. or by somebody at the BBC, you know, releasing information before it was supposed to be or whatever. Here, this they kept the lid on this one all the way through to, to, to the day it screened. And everybody, you've got to watch this. <laughs> Don't go to work yet. Watch this first. Dave's like, have you watched it yet? Have you watched it yet? The way well, somebody got out of my office, I'm like, <laughs> I, I remember You're expecting that. Someone? I remember that morning myself, <laughs> and I and I think it was either you, Ian, or, or both Dave, Annie, and um, both of you uh, alerted me to you know 
that that it was because Night of the Doctor was originally supposed to be released, I think, on that Saturday, and then it was released Thursday or something like that. It was released earlier than mm-hmm. expected. So, uh, thankfully, you told me like the first thing I you know I, I found out like the first thing upon waking up, and then I said, oh, let me just watch this first, and I didn't get nothing was because if I went on to Twitter or if I went on to Facebook, it would have been spoiled. I mean, there were pictures, everyone was posting right. photos. So I'm so glad that you told me you know Don't that go anywhere on the internet until you've watched this. <laughs> just watch it. <laughs> Just watch watch the, the the mini episode, you know, and that's what I did. And um, I watched it over breakfast, and uh, I, I think I just continued watching it <laughs> over breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember watching it three or four times. Oh, so it was a 45-minute episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you just have to replay it, you know, 12 times. <laughs> Play it seven minutes, have a commercial break. Play it seven minutes, have a commercial break. <laughs> Okay, right. I, I think we can leave the the last day one. I think uh, I think we ought to move on to the two biggies, right? Yes, which is uh, Day of the Doctor, the fiftieth anniversary special, which is a uh, comes in at seventy five minutes, and uh, um, I think I think this was um, a worthy episode. You know, the, the uh, special, if you will. I mean, the, we already reviewed it, so I won't get too much into the nitty gritty of it. But um, right, you know, it's interesting. You know, it's it ticked boxes. It's, you know, since then, you know, it's been revealed that originally Christopher Eccleston was going to be, was lined up to be in it. And once he couldn't, you know, they couldn't lock him in. It's when they, you know, they got, um, the war doctor, the war doctor, John Hurt. John Hurt. So now that is an interesting thing because now they had to work him in and as a as a previous regeneration, you know, incarnation, and so hence the war doctor. He wasn't using the name doctor, and it doesn't count. Doesn't mess up the 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 numbers, you know, the the numerology of of, of the incarnation. Or does it? Or doesn't it? Or does it? Uh, well, again, it was brought on by the sisterhood of calm. This right. change from the from the night of the doctor, wasn't it? So. Um, you could argue it just changed him somewhat, but not a, a full one. But yeah, I mean, I think we were, we've been superbly served for the 50th anniversary. I mean, anybody, anybody going back five years, well, I mean, I suppose the, it, it was the biggest thing since 2005, Doctor Who coming back. I think they, they did uh, the fans absolutely proud. Uh, the fact that, uh, of course, Doctor Who had been going from 2005 to this, the the actual fan base had been building and building, and then, as we said before, uh, you know, with the Impossible Astronaut, we'd had the bigger launch in America. We'd already had more fans in uh, Australia and, uh, well, New Zealand. Is, uh, well, New Zealand's very progressive. They, they'd always been fans. So, uh, yeah. It, it, yeah, of course they were. So yeah. uh, it, it, it had built up. I mean, this was fantastic. Uh, the only thing you could argue about this episode was the fact that it was so brilliant that it meant that the Christmas special was going to be overshadowed, I think. Uh, I think the Christmas special would have had great difficulty living up to this one. We had all this praise. We had we had mostly the enigma of uh, the Clara character explained in some way. Uh, we had... The rather, I think the only, I think the only silly thing, I don't want to put words in Ian's mouth, but the only silly thing was uh, was this 
the print that came on the screen, uh, the announcement of John Hurt is the Doctor. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why they did that. Because, um, you know, some people might not know who John Hurt is. <laughs> but uh, but I thought it I thought it was great. We we got an awful lot of things answered a little bit in there. We got a a great uh, cast. Uh, we got the the reason for the great intelligence having played the part all the way back to the snowman, and uh, that all came good. Uh, so all in all, I thought it was uh, extremely well acted, and and alongside. Uh, you know, an adventure in space and time, and the five-ish doctors yes. made for a fantastic Christmas. Uh, so, I don't know what I felt going into the time of the Doctor, because I, I think everybody was still buzzing from the day of the Doctor. Well, we thought, should also Rich. just before we go, uh, just to make a point because it shouldn't be overlooked that Day of the Doctor also saw not only David Tennant returning, but this is the first time that we see Tom Baker in a Doctor Who episode since um what um Legopolis? oh absolutely so i mean he's yes. he's, he's the curator so we're still in the dark exactly who and what he is and uh, that's okay i mean the whole thing about doctor who is supposed to be a little mysterious so um and who also knows? it sees we, and and the uh, we also see the return of the zygons which have been uh, probably the most asked about as far as Doctor Who Pachak is concerned, since we've been doing this podcast, is uh, when will the Zygons be back? So let Zygons be Zygons. They did return, and they they look pretty similar to what they looked like originally. You know, they updated them a little bit, but I right. wish it was more of a proper. I mean, they they just didn't really have much to do here. I mean, they played a part in the story, but they it wasn't a Zygon. I don't think of the Day of the Doctor as a Zygon story, even though they. They, they obviously played a part in it. And right. Ian's Billy Piper was back, of course. But um, yeah, yeah. monks were back. Yeah, oh, well. uh, no, I thought she was uh, very good the way she played that part. But right. we had timey wimey stuff. Uh, I think the only thing that slightly sidelined it for me, because I still think it was fabulous, was the fact that uh, David Tennant, obviously not being the current Doctor, couldn't be the one to sort of solve everything. Uh, so they seem to make him a little bit of light relief, you know, with his uh, his adventures with Elizabeth, the first that was, again, that was a, another thing that was closed off from before, but it was a different actress playing the part. Um, and, yeah, it, very satisfactory. Again, it was one of those things that um, any any little problems you had with it, you watched it the second and third and fourth time, and I think it was a, a lot of people did do that. Uh, there was an awful lot in it. There was some... Of course, uh, one other thing we should mention, uh, this was a 3D production, wasn't it? Um, and it was shown again in theatres as a 3D production. That's true. It was re released theatrically. Um, though I didn't see it in 3D and I didn't see it in the theatres. I saw it in uh, the way Doctor Who is meant to be seen in 2D. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the last 3D that BBC are doing for a while. They've shelled the 3D plans for now. Yeah. When, I mean, they can resurrect oh, it. What when, a shame! When we don't need glasses to put on and all that, we, they can bring it back. Right. 
So, yeah, and so now that brings us to Time of the Doctor, which is uh, Matt Smith's last outing as the Doctor and also his last Christmas special, and I found it somewhat disappointing. It just seemed like a lot of waiting, you know, where the Doctor's growing old, and, you know, I always thought, you know, especially seeing the preview, you know, what's to come and all that, you know, that the Doctor is going to go out fighting, and Although, you know, you could argue that he did, but most of this episode, you didn't see him doing that. He just seemed to be just growing old and waiting. And, uh, Geppetto. Ge- yeah. Geppetto. And, you know, and then we have a narrator, a voiceover saying, oh, well, the doctor did this and did that. And, you know, well, we don't get to see this and that. We just get to see him waiting and growing older. And I don't know. So it was disappointing. And how not to cook it. I mean, it wasn't horrible. One, one, one thing I got to say is for... I mean, it wasn't a horrible story, but I just For, I thought it could have been better. And 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 let's let's just say that we didn't get an overabundance of Christmas in this episode. Oh wait, the whole damn town was called Christmas. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they had Christmas lights uh, and, up uh, all I mean, the time. Turkey, it was but, always dark. First, yeah. it was cooked, then half cooked, then it wasn't cooked, then it was not cooked at all. Uh, we had this unusual relationship with. Clara's, which I assume was her, her aunt and a grandmother. Who was, the grandmother was quite good in it. I'm not too sure about who the the chap was. Some people said it was a stepfather or whatever, or it was, it was a father. And a, it well, can't have been a father because it was a different actor. Uh, that was all a bit ambiguous there. Um, and of course, the fact that uh, Clara, of course, he sends Clara away to be safe. And then she climbs on our Captain Jack on the outside. But this time the TARDIS has made peace with her. So unlike uh, Captain Jack, where it takes them all the way to the end of the universe in Utopia, it, it, it just, not for her, uh, we're assuming that she's not clinging on for 300 years, but it, 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 it makes the arrival back 300 years. And the, we see the Doctor aged. But then... Uh, she goes back to Earth, and then she's summoned by this uh, another. Uh, and I, I didn't, I didn't like that about it. This, uh, this, um, this papal woman and all the papal things. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had an awful lot of things uh, resolved. I must admit, uh, but this. I mean, he's supposed to be married, and then he, he seems to be in this relationship Ta- Tasha Lem. Uh, with this Tasha yes. Lem. We don't know uh, not who Tasha, she is. Yeah, not. Not Tasha Yar, but right. Tasha Lem. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But she she goes back and brings it back, and the Doctor's age yet what appears to be another three hundred years. So I can take it that this story lasts at least six hundred years. In the previous story, the Doctor's claimed when they're trying to you know pass this uh, <laughs> that was rather good when they were trying to get this computation done on their their uh, screwdriver and. The, the 11th Doctor says he's 1,200 years old at that point. So he must be at least 1,700 years old now, getting towards 1,800 years. Uh, but, yeah, having I, I said that, I just don't think the day of the Doctor uh, could have stood against... Uh, sorry, time of the Doctor could have stood against the day of the Doctor episode that had only gone two days before. We were still basking in the glow of that. Certainly I was. Yes, well, let's. Um, I'll play a little bit from the time of the Doctor. It all just disappears, doesn't it? Everything you are gone in a moment, like breath on a mirror. 
any moment now. He's a coming. Who's coming? The doctor. You. You are the doctor. Yep. And I always will be. But times change, and so must I. Amelia. Who's Amelia? The first face this face saw. We all change when you think about it. We are all different people all through our lives. And that's okay. That's good. You've got to keep moving so long as you remember all the people that you used to be. I will not forget one line of this. Not one day. I swear. I will always remember when the doctor was me. Brings us to the end of Matt Smith. Hey, what? Uh, I don't know whether, again, like in Space and Time, Matt Smith appearing in that at the end, whether uh, Amy appearing in this at the end took people out of it. I suppose it was fitting that the Raggedy Man statement should be made. It was slightly, well, they couldn't do it because the, the young Amy, they couldn't have her there because the actress had, uh, had obviously grown too too much in the intervening time um and um well i don't think we're going to talk about how the 12th doctor appeared in this are we i mean but um very 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 strange um uh, we do have one thing we may want to talk about and i know time's pressing now but the fact that you know we don't have a regeneration that um the doctor now appears to be having a whole new set of regenerations. We, we don't need to go into it all because we, we only covered this recently. Yeah. Ian, I know you, you need to duck out soon, so did you want to just give us your yeah. overall summary of the Matt Smith era? Or your, um... Yeah. Um, I, I've always said I'm not a huge fan of, of the direction that Stephen Moffat took with the series. Um but I've always maintained that I do love Matt as the Doctor. He is the Doctor. Um, there was no mistake made, I think, when when they cast him. Um, you know, like every series, there's pluses and minuses. Um, and the pluses are really good. You know, like Vincent and the Doctor. You know, they're, they're real milestones for me in the show. Um, and for the most part, it's, 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 it's an era that's, you know, I don't have huge major problems with that I can quite happily sit there and watch an episode from it without, you know, without any difficulty. Um, so when all said and done, yeah, not bad, not bad at all. <laughs> oh, thanks, Ian. I know you, you have to split, so I, yep. I, I don't want to hold you up too much long, but I do yep. want to thank you for being a part of this. 
Um, I know it's been, we ran kind of long. Thank you guys for having me. Oh, well, it's always a delight. <laughs> As we always do. <laughs> All right. As we always do. All right, but thank you guys, and um, I'll catch you next time. All right. Cheers. Thanks again. Bye. Cheers. Bye. All right, well, I have to say, I, I, overall, I, I really like Matt Smith as the doctor. I mean, I like Matt Smith as, as the person as well, but I, I think he did a, um, a marvelous job as the doctor. Now, uh, you know, obviously not every story can be a briny shining moment for him, but, you know, he's as, you know, he has to work with scripts that are given to him and, you know, he's not writing the story. So um, I, I thought the 2013 series or series seven, part two, whatever is... Uh, had its ups and downs. It was a bit of a roller coaster, and I think the specials kind of continued that day. The Doctor was very much a high, and time of the Doctor would dip down low again. And um, but overall, now uh, I think Matt Smith usually saves the day. You know, I, you know, as far as even even a bad episode, you know, he seems to um, still make it worthwhile. So, um, and I also like the evolution of his doctor. You know, we went from him, you know, um, you know, it, it almost became a uniform, that, that tweed jacket and the tie and all that. So I liked the fact that that he got rid of that look in a sense towards the, 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 the latter of his time, you know, the, the last season or two and started wearing different things and, uh, still keeping that look, but changing it up a bit, um, the story arcs, I think, were shadowing his tenure a bit too much, especially um, the 2011 series, you know, the whole thing with the River Song, I think, got a little bit too much and the baby and all that. And I don't know. I I think I would have liked to have seen more straight stories with him without the story arcs, just um, good writing and good storytelling. Um, we probably could have stood to have him leave the ponds five or six episodes earlier, maybe have more time with Clara or, yeah. or another companion perhaps. Uh, but, you know, cause it just seemed like we kept on leaving the ponds and then they would come back and leave them come back. And um, it just seemed like, you know, and as we alluded to before, I really would like to see less fairy tales, less magic wands, enough secret magical words, you know, like the doctor's name is somehow, you know, is going to rip the fabric of the universe apart, you know, enough of that, just more science fiction, more good storytelling, good characters. That's really what I hope for the future. Dave. Yeah. uh, Well, certainly, I mean, uh, I prefer the 10th doctor, the David Tennant, I, I, I still prefer. He, he's probably my favourite Doctor uh, over above the second Doctor now, who, who has always been my favourite Doctor. Uh, uh, but Matt Smith has had, uh, I think, a highly creditable performance to actually follow David Tennant, put an enormous uh, burden on him to do that. I mean... Um, uh, Maybe you could argue that some of the Tenant fangirls ha- have gone away. They haven't been satisfied. He's certainly not the... Well, romantic lead might be too strong of a, an expression for the Tenant Doctor, but that, the, the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the... The whole type of thing, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the swish of the coat and the, uh, the, the glib phrase, uh, the way he could uh, read 
passages and describe Gallifrey were, were just fantastic. What Matt Smith can do is old. There's absolutely no question about that. He can do old. Uh, this sort of uh, jiggly elbows and silliness just seem a little bit... Uh, not artificial, but uh, I could do with less of it. Um, but I said that, I used to say that about uh, the Ninth Doctor, who I think Chris Freckles is a fantastic actor. But again, he would occasionally pull his face and gurn a little bit. But Matt Smith, absolutely credible. I, I didn't expect him to have done the job that he has done. And I think, uh, for the most part, he has been fabulous. And my complaint, like yourself, if there is any, is more to do with the the whole colouring of Doctor Who as a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Um, Clara is is now my favourite uh, companion of the of the new since Doctor Who came up better than any of the other companions to my mind. Um, one thing that is difficult though is that I couldn't quite see the match between her, you know, sassy like a sassy Lancashire girl if there's such a thing, uh, and the Doctor's less than trendy uh, appearance. Um, I mean, there was no question of them being romantically connected in any way. Not that I particularly wanted that to happen anyway, but... uh, um, And also, I mean, all right, we've had Poltizaku, we've had Fezzes, we've had Stetsons, we've had things like that. We've had over-complicated plots. We've had not just... um, uh, you know, a season arc. We've had one season. Uh, we've had one arc that's overstood the whole thirty-nine stories, and we had a, a very quick uh, tick box uh, of um, answers to those that may have been satisfied. Some may have come too late for others uh, in those last two stories. But overall, uh, there's been some standout moments. Um, in every in every series, and it hasn't been served with this split series thing, but there there has been some fantastic ones. But of all Matt Smiths, uh, I might pick uh, one or two, most notably Vincent the Doctor's pose, and maybe Hyde and uh, uh, the Day of the Doctor, uh, where I could probably pick. Um, uh, double that number from the David Tennant uh, era, but all in all, uh, fabulous. He's, he's he's more than more than carried the uh, the lamp, more than carried the torch, and he passes the torch, the Doctor Who stable of shows uh, very well. Uh, the Twelfth Doctor has got something to uh, to to show and prove. The legacy of the Eleventh Doctor. Is, is good and high and he leaves Doctor Who in a great shape. And even Stephen Moffat said that they're going to, you know, refresh the series, take it in a new direction. And uh, I, I'm looking forward. I think we've got to wait till August now before we, we get anything. And hopefully I'm trying not to be too spoiled between now and then. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely uh, very, very good in the old Doctor, I think he's done that extremely well. Uh, one thing I would say as well, when we've we've had about the magic, the other thing I wouldn't like to see is the Doctor doing too many more bluff stories. You know, this idea that a race comes and he says, "Well, read the books." I mean, I know they did that with the Tenth Doctor once, but it, it, you know, with the the you know the Pandorica open the Big Bang, and you're standing there and you're basically bluffing the aliens away, and he did it in the Eleventh Hour, and um, 
that seems to have come a little bit of a, a theme now. You don't actually have to fight the aliens. You just have to use your reputation. Hopefully now yeah. from the, um, the, uh, the Dalek one, uh, the Doctor's going to be less well-known and we can have the madman in the box travelling unrecognised and going to alien worlds where, you know, yeah. he lands. It, it he gets speaks. in a pickle. He gets out of the pickle. Yeah. yeah. And just speaking of which, those those long speeches he gives to aliens, uh, I could probably do less with that too. I, I always cringe a little with those those grandstanding, you know, like was it was it the Pandorica opens where he's standing on a rock and shouting out to the yeah you know I don't know it could, it, well I mean they did it with the Ninth Doctor I mean uh, uh, the Christopher Eccleston said you know uh, no I'll tell you what's going to happen I'm going to come over there and I'm going to get Rose and this that and the other so it has been done before but yeah 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 it wasn't three, just a Matt Smith thing yeah. Doing it over. yeah 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 it's the writers yeah. But all in all, by me, we've talked for hours. Yeah, we've yeah, gone a little it. long with this. I, I just, uh, uh, just a comment about time. Speaking of which, I, you know, I just, I'm just amazed looking at the air dates of these episodes. How much time has passed since they? They still seem so new and fresh and recent to me. Like Vincent and the Doctor, this June will be four years old. It's just, and you know, it just seems, and it's February already. So it's. What th- um, four months from now it will be um, four months. I will be four years old. So I, it just doesn't seem possible, yeah. you know, that so much time has passed because um, time just seemed to be going. I don't know. I, it just seems like the, the time with the eleventh Doctor flew by for me very quickly. Right, indeed. All right. So, without any further ado, since we are running short on time, we'll um, we have a quick um, couple um, feedback messages that uh, we'll get to. Remember, if you want to send us feedback, please do. You can call the Pachak Public Call Box at two zero six three three seven four six nine nine. We charge you nothing for it, but just remember, local call local. Uh, toll charges apply if that applies to you. Um, many people with it's a two zero six number in the U.S., so um, just be aware of that. But it's again, it's two zero six three three seven four six nine nine. Sometimes the number changes, so always you know if you want to double check, go to our page, our um, feedback page on Pachak.net. There's a tab on the top for feedback, and that will tell you how to send feedback. You could also email your feedback. You can record either something on audio or just send a text message, uh, you know, a regular type message to us at feedback at pachak.net. And um, we always welcome to hear. Hey, tell us what you thought about the Matt Smith error, if you like. Um, we always um, welcome your feedback and want to hear what you have to say. Uh, you can also uh, tweet to us. We have a at Pachak account. And uh, the, the feedback that we are addressing now actually does come from Twitter. So first one up is from Todd, and he had uh, tweeted to Pachak, My wife and I got an all-region DVD player for Christmas. Uh, what are some good UK region DVDs? Now, previously I would have recommended, you know, the, um, there was the 1996 Doctor Who movie that was only available on Region 2. There was no Region 1 release of that. But since that, since that time... Um, I guess it was a couple years ago they did release a, a Region 1 of that. So now that's available. So 
to be honest, I'm not sure what Region 2 DVDs are available right now on Doctor Who that's not on the U.S. I know uh, the Web of Fear, the, the lost story, if, you, if you're not privy to iTunes and you're not getting it through that, if you want to get the, the DVD of that, though I think it, it is coming to the U.S., so you could wait you know, until the Region 1 comes out. Uh, outside of Doctor Who, of course, is the Blake 7 series, which... Uh, for the long, for has never been released on Region One. So, uh, ironically, it was promised on Region One w- before Doctor Who was even released on Region One. So, um, but that never came to be. Uh, so, if you want it, I mean, it's not Doctor Who, but it has uh, many Doctor Who um, names that um, you know. Ter- it's created by Terry Nation, who created the Daleks. And um, so if that's something that you want to explore, if you haven't seen Blake 7 yet, and supposedly there's a remake in the works. So I, I don't know where they're at with that right now. Uh, I haven't heard anything recently about it. It'd be interesting to find out what's going on with that. Um, I, the, the, I think it was like, a, was it an American version or I don't know. I know that they were supposed to be bringing it back. All right. Well, I, I've got the converse issue to you because uh, although I know what is available on uh, Region 2 DVDs and by the way uh, uh, quite a few uh, that will also mean that you can probably play uh, Australian ones because Australian I think are Region uh-huh. 4 yeah. uh, a lot of a lot of a lot of DVDs will say Region 2 and 4 on them uh, so those are plays together but I, I don't know what's not available in the States and again it's because of the the Twitter it's not clear whether you're just talking about Doctor Who but uh, I was going to crack a joke the fact that, <laughs> that um, I've got seven I've got 17 DVDs here Lewis <laughs> uh, do they all have Easter eggs oh, on it? <laughs> yes <laughs> That's a little blink joke. I'll have to explain it. Yeah. Um, so um, I don't know. Uh, of course, the, the the most helpful thing you can say is, yes, get um, uh, the uh, the third Doctor's first story. Oh no, sorry, that's on Blu-ray. Let's go and buy a Blu-ray player. Now. <laughs> no, um, I mean I, I honestly don't know which. I mean, uh, there's the um, there's the beginning box set. I don't know whether that. Uh, it came out in in uh, Region 1, I'm sure it did. The Lost in Time box set, which has lots of little different bits. Uh, Ambassadors of Death, the Aztecs. Uh, um, the, yeah. I mean, I'm sure most of these are, of are, are available. Are, are, are Region 1 as well. I know the Aztecs are, I, I believe I have that DVD. Uh, yeah. So um, you might yeah, want to go to the... Drag, uh, if you go to Amazon, on the bottom there, you can... On the bottom of the page, you could select UK, and we'll bring you to the UK Amazon store, in which you maybe you could you can explore there and see if you see any titles that weren't on the US version that you 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 might want to explore. You know, and a lot of people have been getting uh, recently getting the Green Death because of uh, uh, you know the Metabilis three crystal that gets returned, as as well as of course. Uh, but it's, um, I mean, I know that's it's Planet of the Spiders where that first makes thing, but of course the Green Death is where we have a certain companion leaving the Doctor. Talking about, I'm not too sure whether he, he, he's, he's talking about other science fiction. If you can get the the TV series of uh, Day of the Triffids that was, uh, uh, we mentioned about Dunray Scott just recently. Oh. Um, he was on the, uh, in the, um, 
what is that available in America? Well, also the tripods. The the tripods is another series uh, that you might enjoy, which is available. Um, well, I, I think maybe the, yeah. I think maybe the first series of the tripods is region free, but I think the second series is region two, and they, they there is no region one out of that. So uh, that's right. Uh, unfortunately, there is there the, there was a supposed to be a series three, but that never came to be. But uh, you can. Um, you know, and and a couple of years ago we did lose the author of, of that Christopher or something or another. I can't remember um, his name offhand. Right. Uh, and I mentioned uh, a little while ago. I mentioned about the the actor who was in the uh, the uh, the stories about H. G. Wells. You just have to wind back. I've just closed that page um, that had the uh, the actor from. Um, Oh, let me see if I can just quickly find it. Uh, it was from the the episode um, the, the Snowman, wasn't it? Um, the actor that was Richard in that. Grant? No, 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 no. Hang on a second. Ian McCowan? No, uh, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. 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 Um, Tom Ward. Um, and um, look out for. Uh, the Infinite Worlds of H.G. Wells. Um, then there's another science fiction series called The Last Train. Obviously, uh, I'm assuming that uh, Ashes to Ashes and uh, Life on Mars, the UK version of Life on Mars, is available. If you want something that's not science fiction, look out for The Bletchley Circle. Those are the main ones. Um, some very strange science fiction on the flip side of Dominic Hyde that's another one to look out for um, uh, lots of things uh, basically that's almost a podcast in its own right if uh, if you'll excuse me stopping at that Todd yeah, um, also another one which you had spoken about which I've never seen yet is Survivors I'm not sure if that's out on Region 1 or not Oh yes, the the remake of Survivors, uh, and then there's the Outcast as well. That, that was a I'm not sure whether that's gone onto onto DVD because there were only about eight episodes of that. But Survivors uh, made, uh, and in the episode Hide, uh, which we talked about the the one on the submarine, um, it's the actor that plays the uh, the submarine commander in. Hide. So let me just bring that up very quickly. And that is um, not Hide. The one before that, Cold Cold War. Cold sorry. War. And uh, sorry, it's uh, it's half five in the morning when I'm talking. Yeah, so yeah. you have to excuse sorry, me David, being a bit. Um, uh, no, it's uh, Liam Cunningham who was in that. And um, the outsiders let's see if we can just bring up see how many episodes of that there came out and then i think i will stop at that um oh no it's the outcast that's right the outcasts um eight episodes i was right so that's the outcast that was in 2011 and um that was good cast in it as well all right. Well, our As, listeners, um, if you have any other suggestions that we can refer to Todd, please uh, send in your feedback, and we'll um, you know let Todd know which which uh, region two DV or other regions that um, he might you know of of media that he might want to explore. Okay. 
All right. The other one um, comes from, well, um, great. I, it's a whole bunch of letters here. Uh, uh, well, I, I believe it's T.D. Schwartzberg. Is, Schwartzberg. I think that's another Todd. I think that's it could be. I'm, that's what I'm guessing with TD. Uh, so anyway, he yeah, I think. he had tweeted us as well, uh, referring to our most recent episode reviewing Nightmare and Silver, where he had I, I had commented on on it. Well, well, what he asked is this: He says, "Where did you pick up that Pete's World Cybers, meaning Cybermen, mixed with Manda's Cybermen to give us Nightmare Cybermen?" I, I didn't get that. Well, it's. I'm sorry. I, I wasn't. I probably wasn't clear enough when I had mentioned that. It, it to my knowledge, it's not in the episode at all. I, this is just what I had read. That supposedly Neil Gaiman had said that he had. Um, Neil Gaiman, the writer of the story of the episode, had said that this was his way of thinking for the story. That that uh, some pizza world Cybermen somehow mixed up and. Read it with Manda Cybermen and, and resulted in these Cybermen, um, but that's I, I I don't know where he said that I I read it off a wiki page so take it with a grain of salt I don't know w- what source that comes from so I, I can't cite the source the the actual you know of Neil Gaiman actually saying it but supposedly Neil Gaiman said it somewhere or it's just gibberish right. <laughs> I don't know it, it I would like to see uh, you know. Manda Cyberman actually represented fully in, in the in the new series. Um, I, I don't think we really got that to any real extent. All right. Well, yeah, I'm just looking at the wiki page uh, and I can't see the information straight off. So sorry. Oh, but I'm well, sure it's out there. Yeah, maybe I, I if I take a peek, I, I might. Um, Nightmare and Silver. Okay, here yep. it, it says and, here uh, the, the cyber the Cybermen in Nightmare and Silver appear to be a mixture of both. Um, Gaiman's no- uh, rationalization was, and this is reading from the Wikipedia page, so I'm not sure where where this rationaliz- rationalization comes from. But Gaiman's rationalization was that Cyber Cybermen, Pete's World Cybermen, were who were zapped off into time and space at the end of the Next Doctor, the episode of the ne- Next Doctor, eventually met. The Manda Cybermen crossbreeding and exchange of technology resulted in a new variety. Is um, to quote the Wikipedia page. There you go. So, if um, if anyone knows exactly where and when Neil Gaiman said that or what they're referring to, please let us know. Late breaking news, Justin, as this episode of Doctor Who Pachak was in post-production, the Doctor Who team has reported on the BBC website that actor Samuel Anderson from The History Boys, Gavin and Stacey, and Emmerdale is set to join the cast of Doctor Who as a recurring character in the next series, the 2014 series. Anderson will be playing a character named Danny Pink, a teacher also from the Cole School uh, from also from Cole School, school the, the school that General Louise Coleman, Clara Oswald teaches. Also, uh, you may remember Ian Chesterton and Barbara Wright had taught there as well. Quote, I was so excited to join Doctor Who, I wanted to jump and click my heels, but I was scared I might not come down before filming started. It's a quintessential part of British culture, and I can't believe I'm part of it. 
It's an honor to be able to work alongside of Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman. I can't wait to show people how my character becomes involved with such a fantastic duo. End quote. And that was from Samuel Anderson himself. Stephen Moffat is quoted saying, For the fourth time in Doctor Who history, Cole Hill School is coming to the aid of the TARDIS. In 1963, teachers Ian Chesterton and Barbara Wright accompanied the first Doctor. These days, it's the turn of Jenna Coleman and as Clara Oswald, and very soon now, Sam Anderson as Danny Pink will be entering the world of the Doctor. But how and why? Answers are coming later this year in Peter Capaldi's first series of Doctor Who, end quote. And that was Stephen Moffat. So, well, we have, um, we have that to look forward to. Shooting has begun already on episode four of the new series, which co-stars Robert Goodman of The Gangs of New York and, Games of, and Game of Thrones. Also, episode five, co-starring Jonathan Bailey of Broadchurch and Groove High and Piper Barrett Warner of The Smoke and Death in Paradise. So once again, it's stated as Samuel Anderson is going to be playing Danny Pink, a recurring character. Now, I don't know if that means companion. There were other recurring characters that eventually became companions to the Doctor. So who knows? This um, may be a new companion or could just be a, you know, a recurring character. But we'll, we'll wait and see. And so now we'll return you back to the previously recording of Doctor Who Podshock. Well, I think that's gonna, Dave. I'm really sorry. It's it's it, it's almost sunrise there for you. Uh, we kept you up. I blame Ian. It's all right. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it was a lot to cover here. Uh, you know, we covered the whole Matt Smith era here. So uh, it's been a it's been a well, it's been we had a good time though. Um, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay, well, until next time then, um, thank you once again, Dave. You can always catch Dave on the Cultum Collective. Once again, I know I sound like a broken record. Uh, Sundays, 2 p.m. every Sunday, they, they not just Doctor Who, they tackle all different um, Cultum, um, you know, st- um, every, everything from, I think Sherlock was, if um, maybe it was two, two Sundays ago or uh, you tackled that. No, or, we're, or, we're, we've just covered about... Oh, uh, it was last yeah, Sunday? we've just covered about Sherlock. Sh- yeah, we did. Well, uh, yeah, we did about Sherlock series three review. But I, um, th- we're always covering different things. So uh, tune in because I don't know when this episode will go out. out so um, yeah. uh, just find us. Call ID five four eight two one, or of course on iTunes. Yes, you can catch past episodes. If you can't catch the live show, you can catch them um, recorded on um, iTunes, and and you can listen at your leisure or your leisure. Okay. Well, and. Indeed. I hope you catch us at your leisure and leisure as well. We'll be back next time with more Doctor Who goodness. And thank you for listening. I know it's been a long listen. This episode's kind of long. And so to that end, I won't talk any further. Let me wrap things up here by saying cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifreyNembassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. 
This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchock Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. You know when grown-ups tell you everything's going to be fine and you think they're probably lying to make you feel better? Yes. Everything's going to be fine.